So, Michael here did martial arts for 11 years. Yep, that's correct. Boxed for the parachute regiment. Almost was signed up as a pro boxer, but that didn't go through. Joined the army. Has been in a constant battle with his thoughts. And due to the way his fight or flight function works ended up having to tread carefully through life and did go to prison so we're going to be talking about his life story he's never done a long-form podcast like this before so it's gonna be very interesting to hear what he's got to say so thank you for coming on Michael. thank you for having me Sean. yeah yeah let's just go back then to you growing up in Blackpool which is where my like, if we had a holiday out, my parents would take us to Blackpool or Southport or real. I think it was the most excited for Blackpool because of the fun for it was amazing, roller yeah. coasters. The, the, was it the mousetrap one and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, the mousetrap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I that. remember being on that with my dad. You don't know if you're going to come off that alive. It's <laughs> <laughs> still the same, rickety, rickety, piece missing. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. And it, like, does, it goes like that yeah, way and comes and back. And yeah, the track, yeah, and she's like, off the track. <laughs> yeah. Still the same. Still I was same. so traumatised by that. I've not forgotten it to this yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite was the the avalanche. Avalanche. I used to sneak on that as a kid. You should be able to get up the fence. But yeah, that was one of my favourites. <laughs> what did the avalanche do? The avalanche is like a bobsleigh. You used to go this on a mechanical pull and it just lets you go. Yeah. So there was no change or anything. You just went down like a, like a bobsleigh. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Really good. <laughs> so what was your childhood like? Childhood, um, standard in the, in the beginning, obviously as a kid growing up, um, from a very young age, uh, I had massive, massive behavioural issues. According to my, obviously my parents and stuff, um, I used to get injections for uh, ad, adult, sorry, child ADHD, but in them days they didn't really know what it was. I used to um, just run into walls and run into tables as I was hyper, knock myself out, strange thing. Um, I was just really um, an, an unhappy child as in I was hyper and very uh, violent, lashing out a lot. So at junior school, very junior school, um, I was getting the teachers were sending from my parents all the time who put me into a, a bit of um, psychiatry thoughts and thinking to try and find out what was going on. From there, I don't know what actually went on because um, it's a bit of a blur, but from going to jun- back to senior school, from the, from the junior school then, my parents, my father especially, then enforced... Um, a bit more of a stricter household. So if I was doing violence, then obviously violence may become to me, which I soon learned, you know. So it's like a chicken and the egg. And a lot of people say that, you know, if a kid's acting up, there's something wrong in the home. Correct. That's correct in your case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and that was a, a big thing for me, um, not knowing that until obviously later years. So I went to then obviously... Um, Junior, uh, senior school there, which I, I felt always felt very isolated. I didn't come from a, a, a well-to-do family or a, a rich family, but the all, I was always clean and tidy, and my parents did best they could in giving things. Um, confidence was very low. Um, didn't have any friends. Couldn't spay, play any kind of sports. Um, I had one friend um, who, funny enough, turned out to work for the Metropolitan Police now, which I don't speak to him anymore, but um, just by chance, that, really. Um, not because he's in the police. Not because he's in the police. Because <laughs> he moved to London and, you know, he just we just went different paths. Um, so I was always with him. I wasn't in a cool gang. You know, I couldn't talk to girls, couldn't talk to people. 
PE was very hard. Everything just seemed really hard. Didn't know why, though, in them, in, in them early days. So about 12, 13, I started doing martial arts, uh, karate. Um, what got you into that? How did you... My dad wanted to get me toughened up, because, which was an unusual thing, really, because I was very, very tough-minded and very aggressive in the beginning. But then somehow it got beat out of me or put quiet. So beat out of you, you were getting bullied or is that... Bullied um, from my father in a sense. My father was a big character, ex-parachute regiment for 25 years. Bloody Sunday, you come down the stairs, you'd be on inspection to show your teeth, your tie. You know, it was that kind of a household. Um, it was a very, you know, a man that was had a presence about him. Um, so from there, I realised to be quiet harness these emotions, which led then, unfortunately, to become a victim to anybody and everybody. Was it that tension of the military discipline at home that made you act up in school then? You think? I mean, it, it could well be. It could well be. I think for me at school, the quiet part of me was I just felt worthless, didn't feel like much. Obviously, how I thought... There's two Michaels, obviously, Michael. The Michael that was me and happy, people didn't like because I was acting up, I was hyper. But the other Michael that just just put his head down and got on with it, people accepted, but then, you know, may have took advantage of um, bullying, felt worthless, always bullied at school, never gave him a word. School work, school levels, I was always on report card from the senior school day one all the way till I left. Uh, I was on report cards. I even um, sellotaped uh, people. Might do sellotape three pens together because I had lines every day. So on the bus going to school, I'd have to write, "I must not do this." I'm, and it was just quicker. I could. I got from twenty minute bus drive. I could do two thousand. I must not. Um, so that was that on a daily basis. You know, getting my my not dinner money taken in them days because dinners wasn't like that. But my back rucksacks taken, my clothes ripped. I was always getting beat up at school, my clothes were ripped, I'd go and see my mum and dad, and my dad wouldn't be too happy with me, and they needed force, whatever he wanted to enforce, because I'd been ripped. So I was getting it from both areas. Um, How was your mum, your relationship with your mum during all this period? My mum was um, quiet, shall we say. Um, quiet. My, my, I believe, talking to my parents, they, they split up when I was younger. Uh, so I was still seeing both parents, now they're back together. But... Um, yeah, she was just quiet. I believe both my parents came from really, really difficult backgrounds, really immensely uh, tough backgrounds, um, which, you know, probably how, led them. How old were they when they split up then? Um, I was a bit probably in the 30s, and then they got back for later on. Um, didn't They got divorced but didn't remarry. Um, and how old were you when that happened, the first split? Probably... By maybe about six or something, maybe about and that. Did they live in separate households? Yeah, then? they did, yeah. So that must have wrecked your head That a bit. could have done, yeah. yeah. Um, that could have done. Um, Were you living with your mum? Living with my mum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my mum was working, so that I'd get passed to my, uh, what it was called, little nana and big nana. My little nana was my mum's side, my big nana was my dad's side. And I'd be staying with them and my aunties whilst my mum was working. So I'd get passed around. Once again, they all had their idea of behaviour. So once again, you learnt this way from this parent. You go into this household to stay the night or stay there and you're not behaving that way. They'll put mm. their punishment onto you for that. And that's how it went, really. 
Were they all military families or was it just... No, 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 yeah. no. Like Aldershot, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of military no, 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 definitely not. I live near no, Aldershot. No. Um, what about siblings then? I've got a sister um, who's a different character to me completely. She's obviously in the care side of things. She does a lot of care in old people's homes. Um, she grew up pretty much while I was in prison. Um, she was present when I was younger, obviously. She's about 36 now, 37, 36. I should so know. So about eight years age difference. Eight years di age difference. So believe it or not, I don't really know much about her because when I was growing up, we didn't have too much interactions. And then when I went to jail, when I came out of jail, she was already a teenager, so to speak, or she was the person she was going to be. So, And obviously a hatred for me had built because of whatever she'd been told about me. And I was also in prison. And the life before that, she was then getting the tales of what I'd been up to growing up. Yeah. All right, so you said when you started acting up in the school, it was undiagnosed what you had, but they yeah. were giving you some kind of medication? Apparently so, yeah. I what spoke was, to the doctors. They, they were giving you? Apparently it was in injections in them days. Because they didn't know too much about ADHD. Mm. Um, so I went to a lot of uh, behaviour therapists and stuff uh, and talking to the doctors now because obviously I'm medicated now it was some American doctor that was a wonder and he came onto this country in them days and he was treating kids with this kind of behaviour issues um, so yeah and that was that really obviously nowadays it's flagged up a lot but in them days it wasn't because I just watched the Queen's Gambit where the kids are all um, in the care home and they're giving them like tranquilizers. Yeah. They're just dosing all the yeah. kids up with tranquilizers yeah. Yeah. to keep them like yeah. mellow down. And that, and that could be why, you know, if you, you know, when my people ask, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, so to speak. Mm. I remember when I'm about 15, 16, because I'm trying then to fight against rage against a machine, so to speak. I'm going in my own path now. I realize I don't fit in. But before that, I actually don't remember too much. Christmases, birthdays, I don't really. So, starting martial arts, then what age? Uh, 12. 12. 11, 12, yeah. And when did that start to give you like confidence? and? Never, never. Once again, um, I loved the violent side of it. I loved the getting hit. Um, I loved the going against, obviously, I'm only short, but everyone's taller than me anyway. But I realised that I wasn't scared of things, you know, because everyone was taller than me. And obviously, you learn pretty quick if you've got something or some, how you're supposed to feel. It, it was different to getting bullied because even getting bullied, I wasn't fearful. I'd just get hit, pit, uh, beat up, spat out, ripped. But there was no anxiety from that. There was nothing. It was like, almost like I was on a mute button. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, that's really interesting. Like I was watching, I was watching myself happen and you're shouting on the couch, go on, just turn around now and do something. But you don't. You know what I mean? Strange. Yeah, yeah. And that's because of the way your brain works. Yeah, yeah, of which, course. Which we're going to get to more, far more deeply. So if you're getting bullied then and you're not feeling anything, does that mean that you don't like want to fight back either? You just want to take yeah, it Yeah, there was for, nothing, for yeah. There was nothing, nothing. There yeah. was no tears from me. Yeah. There was never going home tears, um, crying, I didn't want to go to school. None of that. None of that at all. Um in, in in hindsight of it, the the worst memories I have of being at school is my friends calling to my house to want me to go out and play out or go play football, and I'd hide behind the couch and not go near the door, and not go. I didn't want to go out. So, yeah. What were your goals then when you were a kid? 
I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> couldn't even tell you. Um, ideally to go in the army. Um, ideally to be successful. I always said when I was a kid, I liked cars. I'd have a Porsche before I was 30 year old. You know, I, I, for some reason I put, you know, I was into all these, the A-teams and uh, the, you know, the Knight Riders. I always wear the black Porsche and this is it, you know, and that's what I mean. I put myself in a lot of TV and the the programmes in them days were, you know, a lot better than they are now. And <laughs> I think that's that was more of a fantasy kind of a thing, escapism, should we say. So when did you start to become aggressive then? Uh, 15, 14, <clears throat> 15. How did that show itself? Um... I started boxing. I went to somewhere called Green Star Garage um, for a lovely man um, called Eric and um, ex-professional boxer Matthew Ellis is a very good friend of mine. Um, it was above a garage and I went there. Obviously, I was, I don't know, about eight stone and my parents said I couldn't do it. You're not allowed to do it <clears throat> because martial arts were boring me. There wasn't enough contact. Um, I got to a brown belt. There wasn't there wasn't enough contact for me, and I used to always want to do the sparring, not the katas. It was pointless. So that's I karate, went, is it? Yeah, a Shotokan. Um, so I just wanted to I wanted to fight. I wanted to see if it works. I wanted to learn my craft. So I started boxing, and then you had to go up these stairs, and it was all you know proper hardcore. The the punch bags were pieces of wood from the ceiling with like pillowcases around them, and you know what I mean. Proper old school hard gym. And Matthew Ellis was the up and coming pro. Um, in them days, um, I think he was about 19. Um, and I started boxing. Um, and Eric used to get me in there sparring. Um, and he just said I had a gift for it. Uh, anything I could pick up, I was very, very fast. Um, and that was it. Um, so I started boxing every week. I sparred. I mean, me and Kelly always speak, my partner, that some of the people I spar and beat severely when I was that age all went pro. Wow. All went pro. I think they retired now because they're probably about the same age. But every one of them went pro. Um, even now, obviously, I had a cage fight at 40. I was supposed to be doing an over-40s boxing match, going to fight in welterweight, underground, unlicensed boxing. But the pandemic's happened. So I was supposed to fight in December, which if I don't move away, I, I'm still going to do, you know, because it's in me. It's what I, I get very much excitement from it. So around, yeah, about that age, I realised... It is what it is. But then my head's turned now because I actually like it. So now I've got a bit of a vendetta. So all the people that I'd give me grief, you hear all these stories, don't you, that I'd got the bullies back, but I truly did. I truly did, you know, in amazing fashion. Um, and that's what I did. Are you able to tell us the stories of any of those? Yeah, um, I've got things like, obviously... Um, on my hand there, as you can see, I like you can see that. Uh, allegedly, because uh, of the person I remember bullying me, who should always smile. So I thought that if I punched every one of the teeth in completely, that that would help. So apparently that did happen. I ended up in hospital, unfortunately, because all the teeth actually went inside my hand and I didn't realise and it caused infection. So I was in there for about seven days and nearly lost my hand. They had to repack it. I was, I was, I, I think they put me in like a, a bit of a coma thing because my hand had gone into septic, whatever. Bloody hell. Yeah, but they pulled all these teeth out and I didn't even know they were there because literally it's a little cut. Um, and they pulled them all out. Um, and then I was in there. And then for two weeks after that, the nurse kept coming to my house and packing my hand with seaweed and pulling it out, which was horrible. 
which then after that, every time I ever got into trouble, it'd always it'd always be the one that snapped or ripped. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, so, that um, made me think of a wild man story, but I think you outdid him there. There was a guy who was getting pills from us and getting pills from Sammy the Bull's crew, and he ended up taking money from one of our customers and losing it over on the other side. So wild man ended up with his tooth stuck he couldn't get it out so he had to go hospital and um so they took it out and um she said it's got to be sewn up so well man he's he's, he's like he doesn't like hospital so he just walks out yeah he goes home and gets fishing wire and just sews sews it up with fishing wire but he had to go back anyway because he fucked it up so yeah it was strange yeah little little cut and then i woke up five hours later in so much pain my hands Hand was like that, yeah. and I went to the hospital. I remember because it was a, an African doctor. I couldn't understand him properly, and he was like, "Oh, I, went, I think I broke my hand." And they obviously want to know what you've done and stuff. And I went, oh, "Nothing." I said, "I just, I think I banged it." And he went, "Have you right? We're doing an X-ray." He went, "You banged it," and he said, "Well, there's about eleven teeth in your hand." Bloody hell! Yeah, eleven. That's got to be a record. Yeah. Eleven yeah. teeth. Yeah. In a hand, so definitely. So, just to set the table a little bit. So you got bullied in school. Yeah. You, I assume, just stayed in the place, the area where you grew up yeah, and you just I'm, never moved out of no, it. No, never, not. So no. you knew all the bullies, who they were as they became Correct. older in your Correct. locality. If Correct. they didn't move out. Yes. So you kept your eyes on them over yes. the years. Yes. All right, so that's that's one down. <laughs> was the, there, there was plenty. I mean, the problem is for me, um, as we'll go further on, about my brain, which is it's, it's good and it's not good. The good thing is if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. You know, so if you're my friend and I say, I will help you and I will make sure this doesn't happen, I will be there, you know, it's going to happen. But unfortunately, the same thing is, if I say I'm going to do something to myself, it happens. But the problem is, I'm not six foot, I don't want to be six foot, I don't want to be the man walking around saying how hard I am, I don't care. The problem is, we've got a vendetta situation and I've got to execute this properly and make sure that you understand exactly what everything has gone on. So that's why I have to do. I have to research, and then I and I used to think about it, and then I put things in place and make sure that it went that way. It wasn't as much as tap someone on the shoulder and right hand them in a pub. It's not my style. It's not who I am. I'm not that person. I'm not a bully. This is like something from a movie. So you got bullied in school. Years later, those bullies probably are thinking, right, nothing's going to come back off this. All of a sudden. One gets all of his teeth knocked out. Does that mean all the other bullies then are on guard because you're going to come and get them? I don't know. I don't know if they were that clicky. Um, I remember a few conversations I had. Um, another one, like you say, what I will always always promise you, Sean, is that anything I say, I can prove and document. I, I promise you that. And I promise the viewers. But I remember talking to a bully once who I, I kept saying his name and I had a drink. Now, I don't drink because when I drink... It makes me believe that everything I think now, you've just got to do it, mate. It talks to me. So I'm not allowed to drink on this medication. Slow down, slow down. When you drink, you think what and what talks to you? Uh, my head talks to me then. Yeah. And basically it's got to happen and everything's fine. Just so do the things that. that you're contemplating have got to happen it's as soon as happen, you drink mate. alcohol. Listen, you do that. And those things are violent things. Yeah. Gotcha. Got to happen. It's gotcha. a film, this. Nothing's got to happen. Imagine how excited you're going to be. And I get excited. So I remember one day... Um, Sisters and me, so I remember what was I? I was 20, 27, 28, and we'd gone to a strip club. And I don't like strip clubs because I always think to myself, I don't want to be one of them pervy guys and the women are over me. But I'll go to them, but I'll talk at the bar. You know what I mean? I'm not interested in dancing and stuff. And I remember going there with a f some friends, 
associates, because I don't have friends, I have associates. And they were only with me because my character in them days, because I was so short and things, I'd just got out of jail and everything else. So I was in there and I remember having a few drinks and I'd been out a bit while. And I remember seeing two of the guys from school. Now, they might have been bullies, but in my mind, it told me that they hadn't been nice to me. So that was enough for me. I remember in math class, you took my pencil case. or something silly, you know what I mean? And I had a gun in the back of my jeans. So all I did is pull the gun out of my back of my jeans and said to the guy as I was talking, and he wet himself completely. And then obviously they called security. The security came upstairs who knew me because obviously I was barred from every club, club pub in the whole of Lancashire. Uh, they had a picture of me. I went alive for two years. So they all came and then they all asked me to nicely leave. And I did. I apologised and, and and I left. Did you like say to the guy, you were the guy yeah, who yeah, did kept, this and to I, me? Yeah, what I liked, he was getting, and he wet himself, because I've seen, seen, seen him wet himself. Um, and it, the, the, the fear that was in his face and the the backtrack, and, you know, and everything and everything. No, no. And that almost, he went to nothing. Did he try and make an excuse or say sorry? No, he just didn't say anything. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. No, it didn't. We were mates, and but to see a person, and he was a big old lump because everyone's bigger than me. I mean, that could be an issue for me, maybe. I don't know. But he went to nothing. Wow. And then you realise, then don't you, that wow, I'm five foot four. Look at what I've just done to you. Feeling of power, then. Yeah, you must have known this would come, but then as I was saying to him, you didn't know he'd come. Because you don't think, oh, this is going to happen. But guess what? It's happening. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So your reputation must have been preceding you then with those incidents. I had a, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had, I had a big reputation. I mean, not like these, you know, these proper reputation guys like Mr. French and, and you know, and all these people. I wasn't that calibre. The calibre I was is that my own calibre. I was my own gang and no one... Because obviously I wasn't scared of anybody. I can't get scared. So, um, so yeah, I was involved in a lot with everyone and any anyone and everyone that's known around Blackpool. I know I've been in their company. I've drank with them. I've, you know what I mean. I know all these people, but no one interested me because I didn't want to be known as them kind of people. I didn't want to be known as a bully, even though some may say my tactics were bullyish. In my mind, they weren't. You You're know, like a bully vigilante. Yeah, you, if you do something wrong, you've got every you know every action has a reaction, and these were just the way I was trying to express myself. You know, oh, this is mind blowing. So, how many bullies did you catch up with in the end? Every one of them. How many was that? All of my life, probably around fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, probably around fifteen. And you said that they were like not clicked up, so they. Yeah, they all form their own life over years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like 10 not years all, later, not all of them, Not all of them got violence by. because, you know, I had to start realising once I come out of prison, things change. Before prison, anything was possible. You know, I'd committed to myself. My parents had already done it. Every time I phoned my parents, <clears throat> me and my partner, Kelly, we've got a saying that if I phone my mum, I could say anything. She goes, oh, no, because she's always said from a kid, the call's coming where I've killed someone and I'm doing life in prison. And I always faced that because I, I was okay with that. I was, I was at peace with that. Which bully was the first one to fall? The teeth. Who was the next and what happened? The next was probably in a pub, uh, Brannigan's in the time, um, where obviously he tried to drown one in the cubicle and the actual toilet. Once again, we'd gone in there. One of my issues is that we've... 
I don't talk to myself. I sort of speak. I I say something and then I'll go, should we have a conversation? Maybe not now because I'm on medication, but I'd talk to you and then I'd go out and I'd be driving on with Callan and I'd say, did you see him looking at me like he said something that I don't understand what he said by that. I'm going to go and ask him and it relates. So it could be two weeks, a year, hence the bullies. It could be three years, four years down the line and then it, that's something to think that Shane Taylor said something like that. Yeah. It would eat away at him. We, we, this is what I'm going yeah. through at the moment when the you know the psychiatrist team, because it's getting to the bottom of it, you know, I'm a fascinating case. Um because I function, I've held down jobs, you know what I mean? I've got a relationship. Um so yeah, so that so we got in the toilet, I was having a wee and um, let's 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 slow this one down again. All right, so you're at where for this one? Where are you at? Is it a nightclub or Yeah, Brannigan's in the day in Blackpool, yeah. So you're at a night is it a nightclub now? Yeah, yeah. You're at a nightclub. Did you go there because you knew the no, bully was going to be not there? At all, no, so not these at are all. chance yeah, encounters. Of yeah, were they all chance encounters? Yeah, all of them. All of them. Holy shit! All of them. That's even more fascinating. All of them because it's a clicky town. Yeah. you know it's a clicky town, and I bounce around me. I, I'm, I'm all right with myself, yeah. so I just bounce around. And I remember just going in there. Were you with I, your mates? I was associates again. You know, and when you first twigged that person was there, what was the first thing that came into your it head? It flagged up in my head. Were you on alcohol? No. No, okay. no, we just walked in and I yeah. seen him in the light. You know when seen the, him right Do you know away. when uh, the dancing floors and the light comes on somewhere and, he, and when they dance, it almost goes slow motion. Strobe lights. Strobe lights. Yeah. That's what it was. And I remember turning in my head and I seen him. And then I looked and I remember somebody was speaking to me saying, Do you want there was five bottles of Budweiser for a fiver? Mike, what are you having? I went, He went, Mike. And I went, What? He went, What are you having? I went, Nah, two minutes. I need just two minutes. Your two brain's minutes. just gone now. So I've gone. What, what, so what's gone. the thought process before you approach him? Uh, I, I don't really know. I'm just going to do him in. Is it, gonna, is it like just yeah, in, into just overdrive? Gonna, what I'm going to do. Should I bite him? Should I just crack him? Should I stamp on him? Should I, I need to maim him somehow. I need to maybe go for his ear. I need to know. I need him to know what you've done. Have you, do you, seen, have you seen if he's with a crew or things no, like that? No, I'm not bothered. Not bothered. No, as we'll go, we'll go further on. I'll show, to prove that I'm not <gasps> bothered. Um, so... I've gone through the dance floor, the music's going, I'm sure everyone's pushing me out of the way, I'm not bothering, I'm country. I see him take a right into the doors. Now, the Brannigan's Tours go do little steps, going that way, but you can also go in that way. It's a massive queue, and what you'll get in the night time, you'll get guys that are all big lads, loud and rowdy, and in there, there's obviously always urine all over the floor, and they're always loud, guys, we're always loud, and it's always on that kind of environment. And I remember seeing the, the cubicles were open, but the urinal was full. As I burst through the door, I just seen his jacket go into a cubicle. So that was it for me. Okay, you're here now, I've committed. So as I went in there, obviously I've had to apparently connect my forehead with his chin and then he hit the toilet basin, which then I obviously want to talk to him because he now is wondering what the hell's gone on. If you've ever hit someone unexpectedly, the first thing is what people don't understand, what people don't understand. If you walk up to somebody and just hit them straight away, they don't tend to fight back straight away. They for the first process exactly what's going on. Hang on, who's this? Where am I? What's going on? So that was going through his head. Then, obviously, somehow, he'd obviously gone into the toilet basin while we had a conversation about exactly what had gone on. But, saving grace, I could pull back, went back out, and the Budweiser. Wow. And I believe he then got up and I seen him walk past me. Once again, I apologised to him and I said goodbye. I, I Sorry about that. But he got a taxi home. And he knew <coughs> he knew that this was from he, 10 he, years he, earlier. Well, 
he might not have known, but he did then. He did at that point. At that point, he remembered. Wow. Holy shit. So how much time was there between the first and the second? Uh, and he could, I couldn't really say. Probably months, a year. Uh, from the from the age of probably 17, I was going out then, fighting. I wanted to go out fighting. I wanted to try and challenge myself. But people probably different to me. <clears throat> I don't want to go out and beat somebody up. I want to go out in a in a, a race of glory. I want six, seven men in front of me, but I want to be on top of one of them. Do you see what I mean? If that makes sense? Wildman was a bit like that when he was younger. He would just go down and and when he was a teenager and just start fighting yeah. with the bouncers. Yeah. And he'd come back looking like a trainer, did yeah. him? Yeah. And then like two weeks yeah. later, he'd be down there yeah. again. For me, luckily for me, I'm I'm from that day on, I never got any beat up once. Now, I cannot not put down because I'm a tough man, because that's not the case. It was just because I was so unassuming that people spend half a life telling you what they're going to do and why they're doing it. You know, they always say, tough men don't tell you what they're going to do. So when I walked up to somebody, I wasn't about to say, you, you're reffing this, I'm going to... I just walked up. Did the job. Gone. That was it. It was yeah. game. I'm off. I didn't spend time doing whatever. And I never ran off. I never wanted to run off because the outcome for me, they catch me. A lot of them catch me and beat me up. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. I like it. Not like it. I don't, I'm not self-harm. You're like neutral to it. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. I'm going to get up and go, bloody hell. Right. Well, now I've got to go and think about what I've got to do now. I've got to come back. It's because it's going to be a ball ache. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. that was it. Where were you when you bumped into the third one? In the beginning, clubs. 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 All, all of them were clubs. Yeah. The last one was a boxing club, um, but all of them were clubs, alleyways, outside the nightclubs. In Blackpool in them days, you always went to the nightclubs and then you went straight to the burger domes or the, you know, the, the peaks. Correct. But you weren't there to buy food. You were there to see what women were about or what guys. Well, I was there to see what guys were about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a funny story. Um, I was causing that much problems at a time once. I don't know where my head was at at this point. And um, they sent undercover police in to find me. But what they did is, they're very clever. They sent undercover police to a club called Rumours, where I'd go all the time. And I was barred. So I'd have to go into the queue, pretend I'm not there. And I'd get to the door and they said, you're not coming in, man. And then I'd say, I am. And there'd be whatever going on. I am coming in. No, I won't do out this time, I promise. Well, you better not, mate. Right, because... Believe it or not, some people think I'm a likeable guy, a likeable rogue, they used to say. Um, and I got in. And I remember dance floor again. Um, I was trying to chat with this girl. And this guy, he, he was just weird. He, he didn't need to be there. He kept staring at me through the dance floor all the time. And associates I was with again, who's these guys? Who are these? So one of the guys at the me went, who's these guys? He went, he's an undercover copper. Tell Mike to watch himself. I went, why, why the year? They went, he's been sent here because there's a lot of violence going on. So maybe not directly for me, but they've been out looking. So, I shouldn't laugh, I apologise for laughing, but it's just silly. So on the way out, we're all getting kicked out of the club now and all that. So I'm talking to this girl and he comes over and he goes, I think you need to leave, I, I'm going to go on with her. So I said, all right. And I know who he is now. So I said, all right, okay, yeah. And outside room is, is, a, is a main road. So I said, okay, no worries, you crack on, like, fine. As I'm stepping away with my associates, walk across, I can see the girl, I mean, it was just about to kiss. So he's gone for a kiss. So I went round the back of her, pulled her back, and then whacked him full blown as he's about to pucker up. 
which he then hit his head, bounced, screams, everything, but then I got off. So, yeah. Holy shit. I always remember that one because <laughs> I, it was the face, and yeah. I see it now, it was up, and I just thought, that's beautiful, that. That's a beautiful, full mighty <gasps> shot of a little guy, but I could hit. The third one, did you remember when you saw the third one, specifically what bullying had occurred with that one? The problem I've got now, Sean, is that as I'm talking to these my new team of people, I don't know if these things were real or not. I do. But do you see what I mean? I'm still struggling to understand if they're real because, as you just said there, my life feeling's a bit erratic. It just feels like all this stuff's gone on. And I don't know why it is because every time I look in the mirror, it's it's me. So... I All I care is that I thought that, so that I believe that they must have made me feel a certain way. Um, so I just went on the whole spree that I thought anyone that was part of that gang, anyone was part of their friendship, anyone that played football with them people, anyone that was associated with that person, if I come in contact, I'm going to blame them for everything. Yeah, we had a school shooter call in live from prison and he said, like, he was, like, attacking the whole school, not just the bullies. He was just mad at the whole school. Um, it was a crazy story, but he's um, reformed now, married. He's going to get released. He's so remorseful. Um, but just mind-blowing to hear, you know, he, they set fire to him. The kids set fire See, to him. The kids are very cruel. Yeah. Even more so now. I mean, I, I never wanted kids because of my mindset. You know, the way I was, I knew I wasn't going to be a good parent and I thought I was going to end up in jail for the rest of my life. So when I have kids, but luckily for me, I haven't because they're very cruel, you know, yeah. they're very cruel yeah. society now. So you've made it sound like you just took these bullies down very rapidly one by one. Yeah. Was there a situation where a bully stood up to you or got the better of you? Or? No. 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 And I can, like you say, I'm not going to lie to the viewers. It's never happened. Yeah. And there'll be no one out there that'll say it I did. You know, yeah. I was always classed as little Mike, the lunatic. Not that I was happy about that, but yeah. I, was, I came content with that, that, okay, if this is who I am, then use it if I can. And at them times, I was reading books. Dave Courtney, Stop the Ride, I, you know, I get off. And I was reading the craze books and, and reading these words going, well, this is me. Ronnie, Reggie, Craig, in the, in the red, it's me, this. Is it? Well, it must be. Everyone's, you see... And that's the thing. And that's the thing. So you're able to talk about the alleged incident with the tongue? <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, once again, there was a, there was a many, many incidents. Um, many, many incidents. It was a club called Jokers. Um, I believe it was me and my cousin. We got it shut down because there was so much violence. Got, I mean, horrendous violence. And Jokers nightclub is in South Shore of Blackpool, a really run-down area. And it, it's a little ho hovel. And you only went down there because you knew all kinds of lads were there, all kinds of shady characters going there. And obviously, I, I was what well, I was going down there from about seventeen, eighteen, and you could not, you're not coming out of there without blood or clothes ripped. It's impossible. You're not, you're not doing it. You know, we had all the circus people from out of town coming to the pleasure beach that went down there. You know, you had everybody, travellers, everything. Um, and we go down there, and I was down there one day, and we'd been fighting. Um. Oh, I don't know what it was over, over anything, over anything and everything, really. Just If there was a gang of guys in there, pardon me, a gang of guys in there, we'd test him. We'd have a few drinks. I always giggle 
because I got excited. I was like, right, okay, let's do this. This family is of them. And then I sit there, watch, watch for a few where they go. Right, he's got the toilet. Right, so you got the toilet, and I'll grab these two. Or it was that kind of. It was like a, you know, it was a pack mentality. Um, and I remember this time, we'd done something to a couple of guys, two of us, two of them. We've had a fight outside the club, and they were from Manchester area. Uh, and obviously, I didn't know because I wasn't from the world of drugs, but. They were, they were selling drugs and obviously we've done something bad. It's cost them money now because their two dealers have had to go home. So that weekend, that was during the week that, because it was like pound a pint or whatever, that weekend we're in there again and the doorman said to us um, that there's going to be issues in here tonight. I've, I've heard them guys have been back. They're coming to get you two. Was it like Salford crew? Or? I haven't got a clue. All I know is that five cars pull up outside and there was a taxi parked up it was always to be a taxi but five cars not big fancy cars just five cars and the doorman's come running downstairs and I'm sat having a drink with my cousin and some of her other friends and he said they're here they're outside they've got weapons and everything so we went well, okay nice one so we drank up me and my cousin ran upstairs so jokers it was a double doors he went I shut the doors because they can't come in he said but you go out the doors are shut I said okay that's fine didn't know what I was facing I, it didn't cross my mind. I wasn't being tough. They didn't cross my mind. They had guns and all that because it was that kind of thing. But I thought they might have a knife or a machete or something like that or a duck or duster or whatever. So we both bolted out and they were there getting out of cars. But as we got out the door, you have to get out of cars. So we've just gone the separate ways, shot. And I remember I've hit one as I've run and he's gone into the air and he's gone straight into the windscreen of the taxi. And the taxi's gone like that. As I've run out, but we've started fighting everything and there was a machete which we got hit Oh, look at the size of as that. Put, hold hold yeah. that up to that camera. Bloody hell. Um, as you put your hand up, it came down. It wasn't full force. It was like, because I moved. Um, I moved as I, as I went. Um, and next minute, they started panicking because we were, I, well, we was going like lunatics. They were dropping because, as you know, you, you, you get some right, they're gone. You know, no matter how tough you are, if you're running towards someone and you manage to crack, you're gone. So that was a thing. And I was like a, like my little chihuahua, I was jumping round, cracking, but everywhere I was going, I was jumping, literally happy as Larry. So they've all got in cars, span off. But then there was this one that didn't. But what we didn't know is that we'd actually, as I've hit him, I broke his jaw. So his tongue's hanging out, but he's screaming. Now, all I remember is that the screaming, the screaming. I kept telling him to shut up, please shut up. Well, what's all this about? Blah, blah, blah. I was screaming, but I'm laughing, screaming. My cousin's like mortified, he's full of claret, and he's like, what the hell's just happened? But hang on a minute, we've just done a great thing. It's, you know, it's come off. Then all I remember then is walking down the street because I want to get some chips from the chippy down the corner that stays open. You can get cans of lager, have a lock in and get chips. And I remember licking my lips and I had blood everywhere. And my cousin said that he's missing his tongue. And apparently, I don't, I don't remember it, I don't think it was me, but um, someone had obviously grabbed him, said, stop screaming, stop screaming, and he couldn't, and then latched onto the end and just pulled it, Holy which obviously shit. causes your mouth to fill up with a lot of blood then. Holy um, shit. Wow. Which is then, that's when you start <sighs> thinking, you know, Ooh, I'm speechless. But if if I had done that, which I didn't, if I had done it, my reasoning then is, you came to hurt me. 
oh, well, the shoe's on the other foot, but that could have been me. So, do you see? That was my mindset that, once again, I'll apologise, but that could have been me. Because they teach you in karate, don't leave the certain things. If you do it in a pub fight, you're going to go to fucking prison. Yeah, yeah. Put someone's eyeball yeah, out or something yeah, of like that. Um, so before we get to the prison then, any other notable stories of aggression and violence that we've not covered? Yeah, I mean, there was one apparently I did, um, which is a funny story, which Ashley was laughing with me, which was a, it was a step up... Um, that they were doing an armed robbery to see how they could do an armed robbery to see if it was going to be all right. And had the balaclava on and an old farmer shotgun that had been shown down. I didn't even know if you can hold it right. Um, but this is what was said about me. Obviously, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, decided to see if he had the balls to do it. So then we went into this pub. And the pub, unfortunately, is a real high bar. You know, one of these big old Victorian bars. <laughs> So I've burst through the door and they're the, doing the, the, the count, doing the cash in. And I've said, um, I want the takings, please. And he's turned around and told me to fuck off. Didn't realise that he actually couldn't see the sun off because the bar was too too tall. <laughs> so I said, sorry, what are you talking about? And he went, I've told you to fuck off, mate. And then I realised, yeah. So, yeah, so that chain of events, you know, I realise, obviously, I'm not going to be very good at this, and if I am, I have to, I have to pick certain bars. What were the worst injuries you sustained over this period of time, other than your machete wound? Uh, hand. Um, I got um, a big thing on my head, obviously, grown over now, but I had um, staples. I didn't get them out because I didn't obviously want to get in trouble with the police and going back to the hospital. But they've grown over, so I've still got a big thing on my head with staples, but skin's grown over. How did that uh, come about? Uh, once again... Uh, I was in a nightclub and somebody had done something. So I planned that when the smoke came on the dance floor, I was going to make my way and then just drop a big, massive headbutt, which I did. But when I did that, the guy's teeth stuck in my head and then he collapsed. But as he collapsed, I went unconscious. He had hold of my legs and I couldn't get him off. So then obviously I had to get him off somehow. So then that got a bit bit horrible wow. because he's unconscious and he's latched on and the people I was with came running and booting to try and get him off because he'd obviously just latched on and I couldn't get him off and there was blood everywhere, but yeah. So obviously you were very efficient with violence. You've got this thing in your brain whereby you're neutral, so you've got that calmness. And at what point did you realise that this could be channelled into the army, this aggression? I didn't. I just thought, to be honest, I just like to shoot people and I, I like to see what it's like. I like to see what it's like to have nothing and you're going to die and see how you can react to it. See if I had what it takes. See, you know, put up or shut up. Put me at where I need to be and then let me see. I like to test myself. I, I like to see if I'm a real deal. That's what I wanted. So I joined, you know. I joined the, at 16 in them days. So. Oh, you joined at 16? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was your position? Uh, just a normal corporal. You didn't end up in Aldershot, did you? Did you no, training? I was in Weimar. Um, sorry, Weimar. I went to Catterick. I did all my training there. Um, obviously, I didn't go to um, training war because I wanted to train to be a PTI, uh, to come out to be a physical training instructor. I, originally, to be honest, um, my idea goal was to be going the SWAT team. I wanted to become an armed response. So that's why I went in there. I wanted to get my sniper badge and things like that. And I obviously got my sniper badge, but with medical discharge, 
that's when I came out and all the violence started. Oh, I see. So all the stories I've told you gotcha. are after the army now because I'm 20, 19 and a half, and I'm really, really annoyed because my future's been taken away because they had to medical discharge me because they, you've got to do the CBT test with the, you know, and everything like that. So they couldn't give me a desk job. So they just got me out. So now I was on Civvy Street, you know, and I didn't know a clue. And I, when I came out, you see, the, as you'll probably know, the ecstasy scene and everything was all going on. So all my friends were selling pills or doing bits and bobs. And that's when I've come in. And this is when these chain of events have started to happen that I've just told you about. So you joined the army when you were 16 yeah. until 19 and a half. About 19, yeah, my transition. Pers personal trainer and SWAT team. And um, over that three and a half years then, yeah. did you get in trouble in the army? Yeah, at one point, which is probably there, probably document, the, we was coming home. Um, I had to go in front of the MPs, the Metropolitan Police, and I got put in jail in the army because I caused this train to be stopped on the tracks because... We was all, about seven of us, on the train coming home from leave uh, and an argument broke out, which then I've obviously lost and it's proceeded to start fighting and hurt a lot of people where it caused a train to do an emergency stop, was to flee out the back on the tracks and then run off. Uh, but well, I managed to use that as self-defence because one of the persons on there was seen to be very aggressive and spiking, he was attacking people, so... So, for all these stories, it's like someone else has initiated this in the beginning, really. There's a pattern here, even though it's probably There is a pattern here. And um, so you weren't ever assigned anywhere. You just on in Correct. the UK doing, yeah. doing, yeah. The, doing yeah. the training the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't what, get assigned anything because I didn't qualify to go anywhere. Do you see what I mean? What What did you do then in the weapons training and handling weapons the weapons? Weapons training, I was very good at the weapons training. Yeah, um, obviously you have to go on to the shooting range all the time and if you're good, you can work towards badges. It's a bit like scouts. You can work towards marksmanship <laughs> badge, not the sniper badge. And I got my marksmanship badge when I was in there, which almost forged my way for fascination with guns because I really liked how they work. Um, I liked them. I liked how they feel. I liked the, the power in them, and I was good at it. It seemed I was good, because I could control my breathing, and I was quite calm. Yeah, you know, in Arizona, guns are quite common. It's shocking to people in, in the UK somewhat that like all these people have guns, and people just go out yeah. shooting in the desert and stuff. Yeah. But when I was a kid, you know, my uncles right away took me out into the desert, and it is a very powerful yeah, feel, yeah, isn't it? Shotgun, yeah, yeah, the recoil, yeah. and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I had a Luger from like being about eight year old, which is a German Luger, which is my granddad's, which I made into, well, somebody had made it into a, um, a dart gun. You know, you could put a dart in and fire. And yeah. they always used to put targets in the back of the garden and hide behind couches and fire. So from an early age, I was I was using, every time I went to my nana and granddad, I was using this Luger, you know. So it's tricky to get guns in this country. You did mention with one of the bullies, you pulled out a gun and he wet his pants. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, once I was out of the army, um, yeah, um, a firearm had been dispersed and there was a firearm present, which I had a back in my pants, yeah. So, um, let's just say hypothetically, in the black market of Blackpool, could could someone purchase a gun back then for such an amount of pounds? I presume so. I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. So, you get out of the army. You do you do all your vigilante stuff. There's the um, increasing violence. Are the cops thinking we got to do something about this? Yeah, guy? they're pulling me over all the time. I mean, as Kelly will say, I, I've not been in any kind of trouble for over ten years. Um, 
but it, it, it was ridiculous, you know. I was getting pulled over for firearms. Um, I was running gyms, get pulled over. Uh, when I came out of jail, I, I got a lovely car and they pulled me over the side of the road, ripped all my seats out. They pulled me over and they, they were flagged up that they couldn't speak to me unless our response was there. So one copper would pull me over and the next minute he'd tell me to wait there and then six officers had to come out and respond. And that carried on for about 10 years. Wow. So even though I was in town, uh, I had a, a sergeant after me because at the time his son was knocking about with me, so to speak. Um, and he was always after me. So everywhere I went, the coppers were there before I got there. They knew I was there. They were coming to buildings, saying my name, um, asking who I was. Then I got barred from every pub and club in Lancashire. The pictures were put around. Um, the last the last effect was, which I obviously went to um, court for, was in the walkabout when there was about, how many was it, about 11? 11, um, 11, 11 arm, army people. And I went in there to meet a friend of mine who's a was a pro boxer. Um, and I went to order a drink and um, this guy at the corner of the bar threw an ice cube and hit me on the head. Mm. So I went, all right. And I said, the woman said, what do you want? I said, can I have um, a vodka and coke, please? Want, can we eat? I met my friend because he wanted to show me he's no girlfriend. I said, whatever you want, what do you want, love? And he went, bump again. And I went, what are you doing? He went, I'm next. I said, you will be next if you carry on. And he whatever. And I can see, because I've got very good things, mate. I can see everything that goes on in the room. And I could see it was about eight or nine, but it turned out to be 11 people. And Ryan went, it's all right, mate. I said, okay. The woman said, I said, no, serve him. Because obviously he's in a rush, serve him. She went, no, I'll serve you. And then he threw it again. So I've gone, right. So I said to Ryan, I've got to go. I said, nice to meet you, madam. I said, I love, uh, nice to meet you. See you later, Ryan. Give me a hug. And I walked around to the bar. And as he turned, I've just literally, I've swum down and I've come up, literally. And his teeth have all come out of the side of his cheek. What? And he's hit the deck. And then on the video, I had to watch the CCTV because I went to court for that. As I um, looked on the CCTV, I've spun and all these army lads have all come towards me and then they all just evaporated because I've like, well, well, what's happening? Let's go because one of you is going to be underneath me. So it makes no difference to me. Just volunteer someone. And then my mates have come from the doors because some of the doormen were my friends because they knew I'm a better to be a friend, really, because if there's someone in the club that's doing your wedding or they've got drugs or they've got this, send me, I'll just clean him out. He'll be gone, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're not even going to see me come past your shoulder because I'm shoulder height. So he's gone down like massive. Next minute, I've gone to work. I'm a telesales manager. My big boss has called me up and gone, come upstairs, mate. I've gone, what's up? He went, look. Front page of the Gazette, was it front page? Second page. Uh, the most violent crime the police have ever seen, the most violent assault. This man, he's, he's on the warrant out and all the rest of it. Um, and there was me, yeah. So then obviously I got arrested for that. Uh, they looked on the tape. Luckily for me, the man, when he turned to me, he had a glass and it was my eye line. So it was self-defence because I only hit him once, you know. And he started uh, the so, shit to So I went with. to court and obviously, you know, he'd been on the piss with his 11 mates all day drinking as squaddies do. And he was out for it, you know, and they said on the camera, kept antagonising me, so I got off with that. So that was a lucky thing, yeah. But he'll probably remember that day the rest of his life. He had to get, I think he got airlifted to Preston Hospital, plastic surgery, I think. Wow. Yeah. During this period of time then, have you got like, are your mates the same people you've had over the, the years and years and years? Like you've got best mates that you just keep I've going I've got out no with? friends, unfortunately. I've got none. 
Actually, none. So what kind of people hanging out with you? People who were just like trying to revel in your badassness? There was people that were trying to make their names to themselves because, like I said, I, I'm not one of them people who wanted a name for myself. Ideally, it's so... As some of the guests you've ever had on the show could easily tell you, it's so easy to build a picture of somebody no matter what you look like, and then people believe that. So all I had to do was walk in a room and go, oh, fucking a mic's here, and I could say, listen, I'll come back and I'll shoot you. And they go, fucking hell, what? Mike, Mike, that's all they had to do. I used to have to make all I could, I could have to make a phone call to people because some of my friends were in drugs and they couldn't get money in of three grand, four grand. All I had to do was make a phone call, say it's little Mike Pendergast. And next minute, the money's there. Wow. And I used to speak to my partner and say, this is funny, this. how I used to think it was cowardly because I used to think, I'd never do that. Do you know what I mean? If I owed something, I'd give it, obviously. But of a name, it means nothing to me. You know? But, yeah. So the people I was with were always hanger-oners. I was always in the mix of anywhere there was a party with anybody that was half-sensible, I was there. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought that network is a big part of it. I might as well try and use my skill if it's taxing, if it's doing this. If I get, someone's buying me drinks at the bar, if I want a drink, that's fine. If someone wants to, you know, take me to a restaurant and sit with them having a restaurant, then I might as well go with them. With the taxing situations where you had to kick the doors in? I've d done that. I used to go through the windows. Um, I used to go through the windows. In the day, the way I could make money is obviously... I. I I don't, I'm not going against anyone that sells drugs. I've always been anti-drugs because um, in where I come from, I've I seen, obviously, doing what I did, and a few occasions I've seen weak people, you know, get themselves in a lot of trouble, owe a lot of money to big people that they shouldn't have done. And I've been present to that, you know. I've, you know, I've done that. I've had to go to see somebody who had their daughter with them just to stop me going there, you know. And it's horrible because because they couldn't help it. So it's an illness. So I didn't get involved, but my friends did. And I'm not um, saying that I'm better because obviously I was still involved, but I wasn't selling or buying. So then all they'd do is they sell to these low-level dealers. I'd go in through the window. They'd see me. Of course, I wasn't bothered. I'd put a mask on and I'd pull it up because if they see me, I'm not, what are they going to do? I'm not bothered. So and I'd just take it off them or I'd get it without them seeing it, give it back. And then later on, we'd go out and they'd give me 50 quid, 100 quid, whatever. Cheers, mate. And that's it. I didn't make big money from it. It was really good. I was bored. I, you know, I was bored. Everyone knew who I was. I was just, you know, doing the, like you said, just involved in the lifestyle without being involved in the lifestyle, so to speak. So the people who you were hanging out with then, did they have rules around you, like with Wildman? All the time. We were no guns. He's never allowed to be around a gun. Things like that. Never allowed to be behind the wheels of a vehicle. My my, my friends. Um, the reason I've got no friends is because the problem is I've got is this. They like that side of me, but they, they're quite happy to know the nervous around me. So the feeling I get is that I get really upset because all they go on is, Mike, right, you're right, Mike, just calm down, you're okay. Mike, no, he's not thinking like that. And then that would wind me up more. So they want me on a chain where they can let me go, but then in their company... They were very nervous and they made me aware of it. So I felt very isolated and upset and not really part of any hugging, high fives and all that. I get all that and their selfies, but there wasn't good words to say about me. Do you see what I mean? What yeah. they say is because, you know, they just, I don't know, they just wanted to say it. Not because they, I wasn't there because they wanted me there. I was there just because 
they needed me there. It was good to have me there, and they were just nervous around me, so there was always do you, nervous. Do you think I smell they viewed you as like a dangerous loose cannon? That exactly. Keep, keep this and I could feel it. Though. I could feel it. Many, many arguments I've had with friends, and I've had to talk to myself and stop myself really going completely ballistic because I, my friends, I do in my mind, I do anything because I say I do something, I do something. So if they said something, and it, in my mind, it's not playing proper. I question it, but then I can see the whole body change, the mind change. I can see the nervousness. So then that makes me feel horrible because you what you think I'm going to strike you, you think I'm going to do things to you. Do you see what I mean? We're supposed to be friends, so why would you think that of me? So you don't, you just think. So then, do you know that? Yeah, that it's sense? interesting how you read the body language, definitely. I see their eyes dilate. I see the body language change. I feel a nervous twitch or the, the scratch or that I feel the hands raised up in front of you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see yeah, their eyes not yeah. come and they don't want to make eye contact. I see all mm, that. Mm. And then that's, as soon as I see that, <laughs> then it's, what am I doing here? What was your relationship with your dad like at that point? Uh, he didn't want to know. You know, you didn't want to know. No, you didn't want to know. Did that hurt you? Yeah, I suppose it does. I mean, and how did he show that he didn't want to know? He should say you're a psycho. You know, you're an absolute psychopath. <sighs> you, you, I'm going to say it now in front of you, a psychopath. I mean, in most of the things I did, you know, I've done a lot of violence in front of my dad. I can't control myself. You know, <clears throat> people talking to my dad, and I thought they was disrespectful. You know, I just go. You know. What about your relationship with your mum? Towards your late 20s, had your mum and dad got back together? Or was that... Yeah, yeah, they'd been back together since, from about when I was about 14, I think. They were back. Was she, was she away. trying to say calm down or anything? No. Or she just gave up hope? No, just gave up hope. I mean, they told Kelly, you know, any girlfriend I've ever had, it was a matter of time. Mum always said, I was either going to kill someone or I'm going to get killed. So when I went to jail eventually, they knew. They knew. Did you, other than everything you've told us so far, which a lot of it's on the edge of, you know, you could have got killed... Was there a moment when you thought you were going to get killed? Uh, no, no, no. My, my biggest understanding and obviously fear was every day is what I'm going to do. Not because I was walking around like I'm, you know, I'm a big person and I can do this. It wasn't. It was that I don't know how I'm going to react to a situation. You know, we were talking the other day, me and Kelly, with this morning. I was talking to my psychiatrist and we went to the car garage once. Then we can't mention it. <clears throat> and the car garage guys were laughing and there was a bit of oil. I said, I don't know what it is, this oil. And they've got oil. He went, it's not oil, that. I went, it's oil. And there was three, was there three of them? Three of them. And I went, it's oil. And they went, oh, whatever. And I went, why are you laughing? Do you think it's funny? I said, I'll tell you what, I got my car key. I was about to drive my car into the garage and light it on fire because I wanted to see if they think that's funny. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. Kelly was saying to me, please, mate, don't. And I went, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, guys. See if you think this is funny. Why are you being like that? I'll call the cops. Well, call the cops. What, what, what's that going to do to me? Call the cops because my car's still going to be in the garage on fire. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, yeah. from then I realised I can't, I can't assess situations. Yeah. You know, and people can say things, but the understanding my brain is different I do what I say on the tin, not because I want to, because I just start have no choice. It's being able you know? to look at yourself from outside yourself and to say my brain is different. Yeah, so yeah. To reach that point. Yeah. How does that make you feel to observe yourself? Horrendous. It was only from last August that I needed help because it just it just wasn't going anywhere. It was a matter of time. I said to Kelly, I feel like society. I'm not fitting in. I'm playing a double life. 
not because I didn't love my partner and I wasn't nice and I didn't drive and go to work. It's because I'm empty. Do you see what I mean? Like I said, I'm going to do this boxing thing. You know, a bare knuckle fight, anything. Give me some something. Just train that I can do. Get beat up, not beat up. It's all it's a win-win for me. But it's not normal in society. You know, we're 44 in August. You know, nothing's nothing's getting rid of that. Nothing's suppressing that initial sparks in my brain and this, 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 do this, do this. What can we do? You know what I mean? It's like you hear about cutters and some psychiatrists say the pain takes them out of the yeah, yeah. what's going on inside their heads. It sounds like you ha- you need to be in a violent situation. Someone hitting you, or you hitting someone, and that changes yeah. your brain chemistry. Do you see what I mean? It does. I mean, I mean, it's all about like you say the dopamine in my brain that doesn't get released, so it gets released for like a second, and it's gone. So uh, you know, everyone's happy. So basically, a situation happens, and it goes boom, yep, gone. Right, do something else. Boom, you know what I mean? It's gone again. So I'm always trying to get it up there, that adrenaline to get me up there. But the only things that I was ever used to was that kind of thing. It'd be all right for a second, but as soon as I'd done it, okay, I apologise. It is what it is. Do you see? So does your adrenaline ever go up through fear of anything? No, never. Never. And that's not me um, being tough. That's just medically it doesn't. I'm scared of everything, but I'm feared of nothing. So every day I get up, you know, it's only been the last month I've not had nosebleed in the morning. I get nosebleeds, I used to get nosebleeds in the morning getting up. Just in one nostril, nosebleed. No reason. And I'd be anxious. I've got to the toilet a couple of times just to go to my job. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't know how someone's going to perceive me. I don't know how my day's going to go if I'm going to be able to stay in the box. You know what I mean? Well, this is absolutely fascinating. What was the incident that led to you getting incarcerated? A chain of events, obviously, the main one was of a, a robbery. Um, it was an armed robbery, they said. Obviously, the piece of metal the gentleman found on the back of his head was my watch, um, so which lessened my sentence because they were trying to give me 12 years because he didn't find a firearm and it was my watch at the back of his head. Um, me and my co-offendant, we'd been offered to um, buy and get into the drug world. I'm going against everything I said, but I wasn't getting involved. It was to buy a load of substance, which then they were going to deal with, and I just wanted to get some money. And we needed a hundred and something thousand quid to make it. Because I always thought, if you're going to do it big time, what's the point in dealing with these ounces and whatever they do? No point. Just do it one and a half, and you know, whatever it was, the amount, one big hit, I'm all right. I don't really like money. I'm not that bothered. It doesn't bring me any happiness, you know. Um, so I just wanted to do that. So we needed that. So we come up with a plan that he was security, I got a job in the arcade to realise, to see how much money they were taking in, because obviously it comes in and takes out. So we was monitoring it for ages, and then we talked down, obviously we decided that this needs to be done. Now, it was a bank holiday weekend nearly this time. Now, in them days, because we're going back, I was 21, so 22 years ago, 20 years ago, um... Securico, they'd have to pay for a special delivery to come and get the money. But every other previous bank holiday weekend, there's been 200 and something thousand pounds. And that's like going back 20 years ago, a lot of money. Yes, some of it will be pound coins, but money, I'm not bothered. We'll have a car. Because they're all bagged up anyway, you know, bags up in red bags, whatever. A thousand pound bags and notes. So the idea was to rob. Now, 
the issue is, you first of all, you've got to get into an arcade. While is, I think I've did the maths, 111,000 people on Friday to Saturday night on that promenade. Can you imagine that? 111,000 people walking up and down that promenade just on them two days, in them days, using the burger vans, using the... So I thought, right. So first of all, we've got to get into this with this arcade open, get, in, get the money in and get out. I don't know how we're going to do that. You can't get in at night time. So we decided to get the blueprints for the building. Got the blueprints because obviously we're both working there to do this. So then we made a hole in the ceiling at the outside over time. But let me tell you now, Mr. B's Amusement Arcade, did you ever see it? I can't remember. It's a massive arcade in the promenade, about the size of a football I've, pitch. I've probably been in there. About the size of a football pitch. Yeah. And it's all suspended ceiling. And then the arcade's there, suspended ceiling, and above it are these huge, massive pipes, hot pipes. So we made this hole, and then over time, I'd go into this building with surgical gloves on and stuff and an overall, and then try and climb over these and manoeuvre them away with a map I had to draw to a wall. Now, this big wall is the wall to the vault and where they do all the money, but it's bricked up. So now I have to try and score these bricks out, but then put them back to make sure I'm in the right place. You're laughing. So over time, I've gone through these hot pipes. It's very hot up there, let me tell you. And there's, you know, thousands of people below me every time I got up there. As I've gone over these pipes and stuff, you, you're putting your hand on, your surgical gloves sticking because it's that hot, you're sweating, and then I've had to saw these bricks out, make sure we're right, put the bricks back, and then get ready for the day. Did this weeks in advance. And on this day, we did it, so we've done it. Right, this is what we're going to do, we're going to do it. So on this day, we walked into the arcade, gone into the ceiling, manoeuvred from a map, to where we need to be. Now, at this point, I'm looking down on the whole vault with my co-offendant onto the people, the counting the money, everything. Going back, so how are we going to get out of there? We've got in there without saying, how are we going to get out? Well, I thought that's quite easy. All these people on the promenade, Bank College Weekend, all the Hindu stag dudes, if we walk out there, overalls and a holiday funny mask, get into our getaway car and go, no one's going to think anything, are they? If I got a silliest mask we could ever go. So I put a fat suit together. So I've got a vest and sewed a cushion all the way around it. So it made me look really fat. And we wore overalls, surgical gloves and the mask. So that gives people an idea of what we thought we were doing. So we're in there, we're watching everything. Now we've been up there about an hour and a half and it's really hot, really hot. Watching everybody moving and doing. Right. Then what's happened out the blue, because there's so much money in there, they pay for the security guard to come and collect the money. So I'm actually watching the security go come and there was about £370,000 in there as you've counted it and carried it. And I'm thinking, bloody hell. I said, can you believe this so-and-so, his name? Oh, he went, no, but they, they've got to leave some still for the for the change and everything like that. So I believe that there was, there was about 30000 40000 Right, okay, so they've gone. So now it's time. We've made a time where it's going to be quiet. So we said, right, now what we didn't want to do is start tying people up. Because by tying people up, you've got a risk of holding people hostage and you've got to try and control a room. Now, I've never done a control a room before. You know, we've got no firearm, apparently, or we have, I don't know, but I don't know. So how are you going to control a room? Very hard. So what we thought we'd do is get handcuffs. If handcuffs are placed out already, when they come in, throw them to the floor, put my watch on the back of their head, cuff the hands, move on. Do it all across the room, tell them everything's going to be okay in a Scouse accent, which I did, believe it or not. Um, Can I hear your Scouse accent? Everyone stay down there, lads, and nothing will happen. You'll be <laughs> out in five minutes, mate. <laughs> mate. 
that's what we did. Um, didn't do us any favours, obviously, so I mustn't be very good at it. Um, also, we're going to leave one near the door so he can bang the door with his feet to get help because we'll be gone. As we've come down, we're looking through the keyhole to the, we're in the vault now. We're in there. He's gone into the vault, bagging everything up. There's only about 45,000 quid. It doesn't matter. Just get it in the bags. Get it bags of pound coins that are already sealed. A thousand pound bag. It doesn't matter. It's what it is. Okay, got them in hold holds. Right, they're coming through. And I remember, I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny, but I remember my co-offender sat across from me on all fours behind this desk and I was behind the door. And I remember him got farting. And I remember saying to him, are you kidding? He went, well, I'm nervous, aren't I? And I remember the little joke we had. Um, anyway, the, the door's open and someone's come in. So we pinned them to the floor, cuffed them. I've told my other person to gag the mouth, get the money, get out. Now, arrange a driver to be outside. That's executed perfectly. No one's seen us go in and out of that office, believe it or not, on the witness statements when we went to trial. No one's seen us. Got to the outside to the car. The car's not there. His bottle's gone, the guy. Mm. Now I've had to realise how we're going to get out now. We're in the middle of the promenade. You can imagine now your adrenaline's going, you're sweating. You don't understand what's going on. So now we've realised on the beach, an associate or someone new had donkeys and a wagon to get on and off. So we've gone firing over across there, got into um, this van, drove off the promenade, gone. We've gone to a road, a place, we split up, he's got into his car, I've took the money to bury the money. That's it, done, dusted. I'm at my house now, having a drink of brandy. My clothes are burnt, I'm drinking brandy, and my phone goes about two hours later. I answer it, hello? And he says, hiya, this is Inspector... Chief Inspector something, something of the police station or whatever. I said, okay. He said, we're outside your house with 20 arm response. Uh, we want you to come out, hands up, blah, 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 because they believe I had a firearm. Okay. I look out my blinds. You're not outside my house. He went, we are. And he gave my parents' address. So there was 50 arm response um, officers outside Bloomfield Road. So from Bloomfield Road, the football ground, to the opposite side, which is probably about a mile and a half. They tapered all the road off, helicopters, dogs, the lot. So I said to him, okay, this is where you are. Don't do anything. I'll be there in a minute. You know, and I'll get surrender. Please don't go through the door. You've got so long to get here. Phone down. <sighs> right, so get out of my house. And the police are going everywhere. And I'm passing them. And I even stopped at a zebra crossing and the police were flashing and I walked across a zebra crossing. My heart was pumping and they didn't know it was me. It was weird. Got to Bloomfield Rise and walking up. I put my hands up and they're coming in over. Put me to the floor, give me a few digs as they do. Bam, 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 all right, okay. Put me in the coffee. So listen, um, just let me go to the door. Say goodbye to my parents and I'll throw my hands into the lot. They went, right, okay. So they led me around the bell. Parents came, I told them, I'll be sin. Put me in the wagon. They're interviewing me. So they're going for it now, because obviously I'm not liked as it is. You're getting 12 years, I'm going to get 12 years, you know, just how you do it. So I said, oh, how'd you come up with a plan? I said, I'm reading Dave Courtney's Stop the Ride, you want to get off? And he went, I did that, exactly what you're doing now. That's exactly what you're doing. You're supposed to believe that. I said, I am reading it. I said, I'll get it for you. I've got, I've got the book, can I add the book? So this is what you've done. So you managed to do all this, going in and out, and that, okay. And it turns out, 
this is where it gets serious. My co-offendant decided to speed off like a lunatic, gets flashed because obviously police presence now are everywhere, gets flashed for speeding. As he gets out of the car, he goes to his hands and knees and puts his hands on his end, thinking he's being stopped for the robbery. Oh, All he was being stopped for is because his back lights out and he's, fl- and he's speeding. Down it's always a small shit, isn't it? So when they've walked up to him and gone, what are you doing? Stay there. They've looked in his back seat. He's not got rid of his overall, his mask. And he says, stay there. And he's confessed to the lot. Yeah. <sighs> Obviously, then give them my mobile number. It was very nice of them. So then that's what they've said. But what they've not told me is as well, the same nuisance as I left to take the gentleman's mouth hasn't, because he was so nervous. He's got the masking tape, which he wasn't using, and masking taped his whole head so the guy couldn't breathe. So he was about a minute away from dying until someone came through. So he'd gone, started there with the tape and gone like that all the way up through his nose. So now they're trying to do this for hostage situation, taking kidnap, take, keeping people hostage without the, everything. And they're saying that they're giving us 12 years because obviously I'm not liked. It's his first offence, so I'm the mastermind now, you know. As you can imagine. Why did the getaway driver just take off anyway? Don't know. We never got to see him ever again. Well, I did when I came out, but that's another story. But yeah. Um, so yeah. So now got sentenced. You know, um, you do everything that you do. You get all the character references and everything. What a nice guy he is. But he didn't make a difference. So they went for twelve. Then they went down to eight, and then I threw my hands in. They gave me five. Um, Did you consider yourself lucky for the five? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that time, it, it was what it was. It was very upsetting in the courtroom. I, I mean, I'm not going to give it the big one. I did have bambi leg. My leg went a little bit funny when they sent us me because my mum and dad were there and I seen the pain I'd caused them. But I knew it's intense, I, wanted to, isn't it? I wanted to scream to them that I told you all. What What do you expect? You know, you, what do you expect from me? This is where I want to say to the judge, you know, what did you expect from me? You know, he told me what I was. I'm calculating on this and this and this, and I know what to say to him. Exactly. What What do you want from me? What What did you expect? Is that what you said? No, I didn't. I didn't say. I kept my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd best died because my leg was still wobbling. Um, and then I got sent to Averick, which is I don't know if you've ever been there. No. Oh, it's a, Where it's is a, it? Oh, up Cumbria way. Cumbria. It's like two and a half hours, but it's like something from America, like something you must have faced, like in Arizona. There was these seagulls that were like golden eagles. Big iron gates, barbed wire everywhere. It was horrific. I was tied, cuffed, obviously at the top, and my legs. Is this Cat A then? Yeah. Cat B, Cat A. Well, it's changed now. But originally, it was Cat A. I went to something called The Ship, which was when you go with your first offences in there to see if you're going to commit suicide and all that. Um, sorry, I'm lying. No, I went to Preston first. Then I went. I got shipped out after Preston. So I was there for a week until you got to there. So from, Pre- from the court, I went straight to Preston, which was fine. You were a remand wing. That was over there. So then I pulled up here and then I've got something called the ship, which is a big metal building full of all kinds of people. And these big farmer fellows, you know, and Manchester proper lads and Liverpool lads and Birmingham, the proper fellows, you know what I mean? The proper stories. And they all want to know what you're in for. You know, they all want to know you've got to prove what you're in for with your depths. You've got to keep with you because you could be anything. And, you know, I don't fit the description looking at me. You know, I was little me, you know, um, and then he went from there, really. I got loved it. Got to really know people. Um, then on there, 
it turns out once again my talent comes in handy because on there when you go to these different sections you get the billet locked and your rooms can be left open on some of these if you work up to enhanced prisoner so then I learned I could actually get these guys to wager on me because I'm so sweet and innocent I want to say but I look like to fight for phone cards or biscuits or cherry aid from a Friday night friends marathon you know I was watching you know so I started doing that so I was on these billets then I'd go there and I'd have straighteners with one of their little lads and stuff like that you know and then I one day I was in my cell and they come with the shields and the right gear and just pin me against the wall, which is easy to do. And I was like in dismay. I didn't fight back. I was always very polite to all the screws um, and told me I was getting shipped out. That was it. I got put in the sh down in the block for two days and they shipped me to Weimar. Um, Did they why tell you why? No, just said for violence. <laughs> violence. Um, and they were really nice guys, the screws there. They were all right. Then at Weimar, um, it was lovely. Weimar got on there, got onto this wing. Um, the only thing I didn't like there is you have to go, I got onto the server and you had to go to the non-swing to get your food and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? And, and I remember being on the cell and I'd gone to a gym and this young lad, he was only about 25, and I was working out with him. And then it turned out one of the screws told us that he was a paedophile and then he got obviously really hurt. So my mind was getting educated, you know what I mean? But then very quickly, I remember it was a, a ping light moment. I spent all these years thinking this was the way forward. And there was this weird little man at the end of the landing. Everyone swore he was a paedophile and aunts, but obviously he proved it he hasn't done. And I remember it, and I remember he was reading a book, Jeffrey Archer's book, which for me is a raises a flag straight away. <laughs> so he's reading his book. Not his jail diaries. You no, know, no. Glasses, frizzy hair, looked like Custody Clown. Real weird thing. And he told me, he was sat there, and he said, all right, son, yeah. How am I, 24? He went, yeah, you okay, yeah, yeah. So what's that like? He went, yeah. I said, oh, this, this. He said, you know, one day you're going to have to take a look at yourself. I said, what do you mean? He went, you're going to have to look at yourself and say, see all these guys, and there were some, I don't even know who they were, but some major guys in there. They had, you know, they didn't look it, but they had everyone on the wing running out from him. Amazing. They didn't have to get up, get up for the dinner. You know, got the dinner brought. He said, you're going to be like these doing the 10 and 9. He said, do you know what I'm in for? I went, no, I don't. I said, people have Ted. He said, well, I'll tell you in a minute, he said, I'm doing four months. Uh, four months. He went, well, eight months. I've got to do four. He said, for four million quid fraud. And I went, what? He went, go into all of these cells, look on the wall, and they'll have pictures of birds with big tits. He said, three grand with them in the pocket with a rented car, rented accommodations. Go look at my wall. He said, I've got a yacht, a house in fucking Marbella. He said, I've got everything. He said, watches. He said, do you name it, I've got it. He said, what would you rather do? And I went over them next years. I went to the cells. All the lads that I met in there, some great lads that were some, according to them and what people had said, were big players. And on the on the walls, they'd have Christmas trees with ten grand on the floor. You know what I mean? Or they'd have an XR two. You know what I mean? Shades, a Lacoste tracksuit on. You know what I mean? And then I'd say, "How oh, you doing an eight? Who's this? This is my missus and my two kids. But you're doing an eight, yeah." Well, that's not going to be there, is it? I don't know what he's doing. And that all he kept playing, he's doing four months. What's going on here? Education, what, you know? So, yeah, so then, obviously, I got a um, good prisoner there and I got put into Kirkham, which I fucking hated, because there you've got every kind of cretin lunatic from shoplifters to little thieves to big guys, whatever. I hated it. So there I started up again, just beating up people. 
because on there you get the billets locked so the rooms are all open so they're all behaving drugs off the nuts dance music on and I'm sitting to listen to classical music trying to you know I mean? I've got Eve Cassidy blaring out you know somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> and some smackhead telling me to keep it down so I'm coming out of there they're like a shot do you know what I mean and now I'm allowed home for weekends so when I'm coming home for weekends I'm also putting things out feelers about what's going on you know what I mean so then within a matter of four months once again I go on a visit see my parents as I come from a visit four of them are waiting for me and they take me down the block and they ship me straight back to Wymot right um, where there they put me under um, psychiatry therapy um, courses that I had to do um, like men and violence anger management crime were they helpful the courses no because I didn't see the pattern and I'll tell you why this little lady, as I told Ashley, she was the crime knowledge, crimeology psychiatrist in the prison at Wymot. And obviously for parole, she was doing reports. And every morning I'd walk in there and I'd go, hiya, morning, madam, you okay? Yeah, you okay, mate? I'm brilliant, thank you. How's your day been? Great. Okay. And then she'd go through it. And then she'd show cards, random cards, you know, like a magician. i go, what does that think? And i go, oh, it's a butterfly, it's this and that. She'd write it down. And so I'd just go, what, what are you writing there? Could you just sit there, please? Okay, yeah, okay. And then it all turns out at the end of it, all these nice little conversations, she said on the parole board that I should never be let out. I should be incarcerated for the rest of my life and I was a danger to myself and everyone around me because of my behaviour. But yet there was no behaviour displayed to her. Do you see what I mean? I was polite, I was courteous. Um, but yet I still got parole, you know. Um, so was she right to an extent about your propensity? Well, well me and Kelly were saying that, but I don't know. Like I say, if you go back to the stories, I made danger to myself and everybody around me. No, I don't believe so. But to the day we're stood at now, I'm working on myself for a reason. Do you see what I mean? Not to backtrack, because if I backtrack, it's going to be a major. Do you see what I mean? It's not going to be, and I don't agree with anything I've ever done. But it's not going to be to that level. It will be something absolutely catastrophic. Do you see what I mean? So I can just seal my fate completely. Is that one of the reasons you're going to move to a new environment? Correct. So, yeah, so I'm looking to move to Spain. Obviously, you can't get residency at the moment and the EU business, so we didn't know that first. So we've got to go there for three months, come back to England for three months and do that well. I might go back to being a PT part-time, whatever, um, and just, I want to live a, a quiet, happy life with my dog, my lovely dog and my missus, um, where no one knows me and I don't feel like I have to be anything except um, calm. Obviously, I'm on medication at the moment. Well, I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Quite severe medication. I mean, they're giving me amphetamine, believe it or not, melophenidate, which is, you know, it can cause strokes, heart attacks. It can cause a major thing, all for this brain functions you know what I mean to help me I don't know what it's going to do but the last couple of days I've been really calm my thoughts aren't going I've got nothing you know obviously it's got to go up to a real strong level I've only just started it's going up 18 milligram every week so you make 18 milligram amphetamine every week it won't be very good for you wow. um, so I don't know the life expectancy of that I don't know the health aspects I don't know anything so I just want to be like I said to Kelly I just want to be um Relevant. I just want to be relevant for whatever time, you know what I mean, and be happy, content, and have something to look back on that's, that's 
you know, happy. As you're getting closer to your prison release, did you have a post-release plan? No. Um, I came out with one pound to my name. Um, and within two years, no, three years, I got my Porsche at 29. Um, I got a property. Um, I worked three jobs. Um, I signed on the dome. So you were determined not to break yeah, the law again? Yeah, I still was fighting. I still was being violent. But people like who were causing shit <coughs> kind of wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, my name was still raw. And obviously, if if you've killed one person, somebody will tell them that you've killed 20 people, you know, that kind of thing. So before you knew it, I was a mass murderer. I've not killed anybody. But So my reputation was like, I'm eight foot tall, you know. So I didn't really need to do much just to get by. No one really wanted to hang around with me. But, I mean, I ran all the gyms in Blackpool quite successfully. You know, I was gym managers of all the tough-end gyms for all quite... Gyms, as you know, they all get all kinds of faces in there. And I got on, and I listened and watched. And I always remember what that guy said to me, you know. If I was ever going to go down in a flame, then I might as well be for one big, rather than give my life away for just something that doesn't mean out to me. Did anyone visit you in prison? My mum and dad visit me now and again. What was that like? Numbing, just numbing. I felt like I was in a cage again. I felt like it was exactly as I was as a kid. I felt like as a kid they were looking in on me. So going to jail and sitting there in restraints, I felt like looking in me again. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It is, you're like an animal in a cage mm. and outsiders. And I felt that as a kid. I felt that all my life. That yeah. People looked at me like that. You know what I mean? I was this thing that was just damaged or whatever and they looked so when I was sat there it was the same thing Was there any famous gangsters you met in the supermax? Yeah I met, met somebody called Dave Bates now funny story there so we keep going about Dave Courtney stop the ride I want to get off <laughs> so I'm in a cell with this fella and um, it's dinner time and obviously the doors in the cell were really thin but high so if I went to look you'd probably see my eyes so I knew they were quite high. And I remember sat on the floor in this book and reading. And when I say read, I, I read a bit, look at pages, go back, because my brain doesn't take everything in. And this figure came to the door and his eyes were at the top of the door. And I said, all right, I know you're at it. All right, lad. And I went, all right, because obviously you've got to put a deeper voice on you in jail, haven't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. bro, all right, lads. So I, I, I accommodated that. So I went, all right, lad. Um... And he went, what's that you're reading? I said, Dave Courtney, stop the ride. He went, all right. He said, I'm in that. I said, oh, are you? He went, and he kicked the door. And he went, I'm in it. Go pay so-and-so. So I've gone like that. I went, yeah. He went, there. I've gone, all right, okay. He went, yeah, I'll see you at dinner time, lad. <laughs> went, okay. And there's Dave Courtney on his picture, a couple of coloured fellas, and then this absolutely enormous guy, so it must be about six foot eight, stood behind him with a beard, horrible-looking man. And I went, says my God, he said, it's him. He went, right. It's dinner time now. So I've opened, he's opened the door and I've come winging out the door and there's this unit giving the thing. Absolutely massive, called Dave Bates, huge. And I've gone around, he went, all right, fella, where are you from? I said, oh, Blackpool. And I'm looking at him and he's gone, yeah, I'll give you some extra food because you obviously work out. I went, yeah, 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 yeah. He went, we'll work out together. I'll go to the gym, I'll get you out for the gym. I went, all right, thanks, thanks. Anyway, it turns out, Eventually, he gets me a job on the server with him Sweet. and I get padded up with him. Sweet. And at first, when you get padded up with him, you're like, oh, my God. And he was top bunk. And I remember walking in, the, the wires underneath were bent. And that, you know what I mean? That's how heavy he was. He, was, he must have been about 30 stone. He must have been about 30 stone. And I was underneath. And we used to go to the gym and train. And 
every every time and when I got moved from the jails he's a sod because he used to send me a letter to see how I was but on put on the front non-swing every time <laughs> every time so every time I get it I used to go for fuck's sake but uh, yeah so and that, he was one of the things yeah and what was he in for I haven't got a clue he never told me but once again what I will say is he had the Christmas tree with about 25 grand underneath it <laughs> did you find it easy then to make friends in prison yes because I didn't make friends I just kept myself to myself I made a couple of acquaintances with uh, people um, that I thought I had something in common in that I might play a game of pool they may go to the gym the gym's a very active thing isn't it you know what I mean when people thought you train or because obviously I was a lot stockier in them days I was doing a lot of weight so obviously it was been locked down for you i not done anything so in them days so they, they know and like you say they've always got punch bags in gyms in prisons everyone's shadow boxing so if someone knows anything about you or they can see something in your mannerisms or maybe your presence they want to know what's going on so quite easily then I can I have spoke to you about body language and judging people I thought I'm quite good at it so I used to pretty much analyse you're speaking to these people there's eight of them, there's a firm, it's a firm. You've got to be required to do take part in things. And I could see drugs getting smuggled in. I could see weaker people where they smuggle the drugs and where the person on the wing would have the drugs stuff up them. I seen a couple of rapes where the guys got the drugs taken out of them. Do you see what I mean? I seen all that kind of stuff. they shit them out so they yeah, got Yeah, so they gang removed. from the other finger, no, it was then. So they get um, hot, scalding hot water with links, squirting up their time to a chair. I've seen the sugar and water thrown from top landing, hit someone and um, he was a coloured fella and the white scar on him, it was unreal. I've seen a guy be stabbed in the eye of a pencil. You, you know, you see all this and it's all related with drugs or, you know, where, standing where you are in the in the system, where who you are. Most violence from what I saw was drugs, drug debts, gambling debts. Oh, it's massive, yeah. massive. Yeah, I never, yeah. you never saw it. One minute someone was in the cell, next minute they're not there. Well, they're on numbers. What? Why? He was in five cards. What for? Heroin. I never knew he was on heroin. Never knew. You know what I mean? It was that. There's that much drugs. I came accustomed to drugs and violence in there more than it on the street. Like I thought you said it, but someone actually said it. He said, you know, it's not prison. It's a crime school. He's teaching people to become good at the craft. Or at least, mate, if you're not good, learn how to do it and make the connections to either get yourself in debt and get yourself killed or make a lot of money. That's why it's a disaster for the taxpayers. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. So because you weren't in the mix with the drugs, that kept you out of a lot of bother. Yeah, of course it did. Of course yeah. it did. And, you know, there's no tough stories. Was I fighting a bit? Yeah. But it wasn't with firms. It was just for fun. Sportsmanship. It was fun. You'd have a pair of bag mitts on there and then we'd go, okay, well, put a couple of phone cards down. I'll go in that, the learning room, the, the education room. I'll have a bit of ones done. You look out for the screws. Get in there. Let's have a go. Do you know what I mean? And it was exciting. It was good fun. What was your workout routine in prison? Um, once again, um, I was on cleaning duty. Before I got a gym orderly in, in Kirkham and I got shipped out, I was cleaning duty. So what I got is I got the cleaning solution bottles. Uh, I filled them full of water and then I'd have a brush stick which I tie them to underneath and put them in my bed, and then I'd do like hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of stuff like that. Or I'd do dips on my bed, you know, and press ups. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had we had mop, mop buckets, the handle. Yeah. And the guards would cool it, but then like they'd be like, "A sergeant's coming, fucking get rid of you." That's it. I was always getting away, room raided. Yeah, room raided, and it was taken out. Penny, I stopped yeah. doing this. I went, "I need to." Well, you can't have these. I was like, right. so I was always doing it where people were making hooch under the bed. I would add weights, trying to, yeah. you know what I mean. But I learned skills. Like I talk with excitement because 
I learned skills. I learned how to talk to my cellmate by emptying the water out of my toilet. And I learned how to make toast with a mop thing on my bed. I learned how to boil an egg in my cup. I learned all these fun skills that were like, you what, can survive in any atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? What about um, pull-ups? Because we had like two tiers. So there'd be like a metal grid stairs. Right. So we'd wrap like towels or socks around the, the metal grid. Right. And that's how we do our pull-ups. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. Did you have a way of doing pull-ups? On the back of the door. Back of the door. Yeah, I'd put a, a towel behind the front of the door to stop it swinging open. Yeah. I only did them during the day. But the best exercise I ever did, which I was brilliant at, I used to win competitions on the wing, is commandos. Have you done them? No. You put a towel on the floor, you do a handstand against a, door, a, a wall, so your head's on the floor. And then you have to do a straight hand push-up so your hand touches the floor. So you're just doing the hand. Oh, up. yeah, doing like yeah. headstand, handstand press-ups. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I, would, uh, yeah. I think I've got to about 58 before wow. I start. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't think I can do about eight, nine, ten now. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was my favourite exercise. And I tried pull-ups recently. I'm like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Getting old is not fun. It's definitely not fun. So you learn all these skills <laughs> of, of how to... Um, cook things and, and do stuff yeah, yeah 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 so what were you allowed like in the cat a what were you actually allowed in, you, in yourself because in cat a in america which would be super max you, there's very limited things you could buy from the store as you go down yeah, the security yeah. levels you're yeah. allowed to buy more things from the store on the ship there like i say i don't think if it's cat a or b now because it has changed but there you had no tv you weren't allowed a canteen and you got let out for one hour association um and that was for a month and then you could go into population. Um, so that was a bit of a time. And it, everything's metal. Um, so metal sink, toilet, you know, with no water in it, you know, that kind of... Combination sink, toilet. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's exactly right. Um, yeah. Weird. And the beds were terrible. Uh, tiny slit windows. Like a yoga mattress. Yeah, and on. it was called the ship. Cause I, and then obviously that's where you go to see if and the screws come around all the time, bang your door, you've got to wave your hand up to make sure you're not top yourself. And you're, during the night... Yeah, it was bad. But once you got onto the the main wings, it was fine. You know, you know. Was there any screws arsy to you, or did you see any arsy screws get attacked? No, I never saw any arsy screws attacked. I, I seen screws know certain criminals and obviously participate in whatever made their life easier. Yeah, I seen screws obviously um, tell us information about unfortunately people that may have done crimes that aren't fitted in um, for us to do something. Um, I got a job just before I got kicked out of Ginger Soldier before I left Wymot to go to Kirkham in the officer's mess um, where sometimes they'd leave me a ski yogurt in there or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which was like heaven to me. Or one of the guys there was a massive big guy and he bought some protein powder in for me. So he said, oh, in that cup there, some protein powder to take it to yourself after you finish. So, you know... I realised they were doing the job. Some of these stories you hear about people, I didn't, I didn't receive that. So you said about um, people with unsavoury crimes. So would people with <laughs> crimes against women and kids, sex offenders, for example, yeah. would they get you yeah. a, You get access to them somehow? Yeah, basically, you know, obviously, yeah, the rule is, like, what I did realise is that I didn't ever see on movies or know that some people are very intrigued on what you've done. And you've got to prove it. So I turned up there, like you say, I, I'm in a cell, my height I am. I'm listening to classical music and, you know, and I tell people, oh, yeah, I've done that. Big Pro blue eyes, soft-spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prove it. I don't want it. And then my attitude, I don't need to prove nothing to you. What are you scared of? I'm not scared of nothing. I'm not proving Don't tell me. Before you know it, seven guys, prove it. All right. There you go. 
you know what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 the worst one I got was, um, I remember there's a notorious guy in prison now, um, not Charles Bronson, but the guy who was trying to compete with him wanted to get shipped out to him. Uh, and when I was um, getting kicked out of prison, and the the, the, screw, the governor at the time said they were going to send me to Alaman to teach me a lesson. Um, but this guy, he was known from around our area, massive. And, you know, he was a bit mad. Uh, and I remember he had some affiliation with somebody that I'd done some work with before. And so I knew about him. I knew about him. And I was still a bit fearful of him. He was going around the jails, punching people, offering him to um, give up the back end. Or if you don't want to, I can knock you out. Then I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? So my height and all that. But I was ready. I was ready to fight, fight. You know, I'm not giving up nothing. You can take it after I'm Sparko, you know. And I remember him saying to me, once again, surgery. All right, I know you. And I went, do you? And we, we met previously in a situation. And he was looking at me. And I, my mind was like, what's he keep staring at me for? And I remember talking to my cousin and saying, what's he keep staring at me for? Anyway, it's that white tight top you've got on, you know what I mean? And I went, what? And then I remember him coming up to me and going, look at you, muscly man. I was only 19, 20. I went, what? Well, look at you, muscle. I went, you for real or something? And he went, no. And he left. Lucky for me, obviously. But um, he went on to kill people and, he, um, yeah. So anyway, he goes, I remember you. And I went, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you, yeah. He said, do you want to work out with me? Fucking hell. I said, yeah, yeah, can do. He said, I'll get you out of the gym. And I remember doing screw. It's funny. Once again, my attitude screw went, right, before you can work, I walked in the gym, setting the bench up. He went, hey, oh, what are you doing? So you got to do 10 laps of the gym before you can do that. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder. I don't run. I'm not doing cardio. He went, you're doing it. And this guy went, come on. I said, right. So I walked him out, talking to him. Really nice, really nice. And then it was my turn to bench. And he had the benching record throughout the whole prison, still has, I think he has because he's an absolutely freak strength. Uh, and he put three plates aside on, and I was benching that in them days, because I was only 20 now, and I was a, a lot bigger. I was about 15 stone, only 12, so I was about 15 stone. Um, and I've got underneath the bar. I, mean, I don't think I'll be able to live this. I said, because you know when you go to gyms, different weights are different weights, do you know what I mean? In my gym, three plates was, oh, I can do that, but then this gym, they look bigger. Or... So just get underneath it, you'll be all right. And I remember, I went, well, okay, I'll try it, and I went down on my chest, I did it. He went, yeah, go on, carry on going. I went, I won't get many more. He went, just try another couple. And anyway, he got to there and I went, I can't do it. And he pushed it down on my throat. Fuck off. Yeah. And he went, I do know you, don't I? He went, you're the kid from the armed robbery. And I went, yeah. He said, armed robbery. I said, the robbery. He went, yeah, you're, you're Cody so-and-so and you know them. You were involved with them, weren't you? And I went, no, no, no. So he pulled it off me. He went, all right, okay. Good. He said, come to my cell later and I'll show you my depths of what I did. You know what I mean? I went, obviously, and read. It was just terrific. What had he done? Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, some, of the, some of his words were that what he'd done is um, he stabbed someone, one of the occasions, stabbed someone through the heart and he loved it and he could see the life drain out of their eyes, you know. So these are the kind of people. Wow. And that, at that particular point, he had a little midget that was in his cell that he used for his fun because the little small guy on his wing fun you mean amusement not sexual fun no sexual fun I believe just to try and keep him sedated but guys were very um, wary you know like people talk about this purple Aki he was there he was in one of the jails and well, when, kept... you, when you said about the muscle Correct. Aki came well, to well there was a big a massive dude um, 
a massive dude. Once again, I've got some a fireman, believe it or not, a fireman that's gone to this fire, and uh, unfortunately somebody's died from it. So this fireman then has gone to this person's house, and he threw him out the window or something. Something's, something's gone on like that. Anyway, this dude was like six six, and the best physique you've ever seen in your life, and didn't do weights. And people were all saying, and I was on the ship in Africa at the time, and they're saying about this purple hacking and this and I went, what was it? He went, mate, he's going to love you. And I was like, what? And I seen this shadow go past me and I was thinking, bloody hell. Oh God, here we go. Once again, I'm not going to suck up. Let's just get to it. And then I started playing pool with him. With Aki? Yeah, no. I thought it was him and he wasn't. It was this other kid who looked like him, but he was pure muscle. Because I've seen pictures of him and he's not like a bodybuilder, so to speak, but this kid was. But this is when I heard about this, okay, did you think it was him? I went, yeah, he went, well, he's been here. He just got left, but you only see him because he's what he does. He's, so that was the thing. So I heard about him. And obviously this fellow I'm telling you about, it was like that, that he was just going into shower room saying, listen, this is how it's going to happen. So what do you want to do? So some of these bigger guys, gangsters, whatever, they weren't at the time, you know. Oh, man. For young people watching this, <laughs> this is something to think about. Because we like to have an important social message in these videos. We're not glamorizing crime. Mike's come in to, you know, give some life lessons and show the fucking futility of it. And you could end up in a situation like that where, you know, what are you going to do? How tough are you going to be when this guy comes in your cell and says, and the reason he does this is it, how it's going to be? He told me the reason he did it. You know, he wasn't homosexual. He wasn't gay. He did it because he wanted to take everything you could from a man. Jesus Christ, that he was said, motive. Yeah, I can fight. He said, I can get beat in a fight. He said, because he's not a tough man. He said, but if I take the soul from you. Take your soul. Take your soul from you. This is how evil some people are. Take your soul from you. He said, you'll never bounce back from it. And I believe you wouldn't. I mean, it's never oh. happened to me, touch wood. I don't believe you would. Is he doing life then? He's never getting out of yeah, this fight. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. did he have multiple murders on him? I believe he started him as in there. I think the last one he did, I believe he stabbed somebody with a chop bone in the neck. In the prison? Yeah, so I believe he got sent somewhere where they don't have knives and forks and stuff like that. Fucking hell. He was out, he, I remember him telling me he was after Charles Bronson. He wanted to, to be a bit like Charles Bronson because he was, you know, he looked a bit similar. He wasn't muscular, he was just a unit and he's pure aggression helped him lift these weights and stuff. But yeah, that's what he told me, but I remember seeing him. What town was he from? My town. From Blackpool? Blackpool. I don't know if he was born there, but yeah. yeah. And you, did you not come across him? No, but only prior. that time. Only prior. that time when he said yeah. he was staring at me, I wondered why. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't. Yeah. You know. Any other stories, or back stories of prisoners that you heard that were crazy like that? No, there was a few. There was one that got shot in Africa, I believe, at one point. He had the bullet in him and then he had to try and get the bullet out. He was a big unit. Got um, shot over what? Uh, drugs, I believe. It was a big name. He, he was a big tax collector. Um, big, I think he was about 50, big Moican. Um, and over there, things were coming over in tennis balls and things were getting dropped, things were getting brought in by screws and he got shot in his pad um, and he had to get rushed out and the bullet, they couldn't get it out because of where it was. But yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Wow. There's some very interesting characters. I always say that to people, you know, I'm not, like you said, you're not glamorising it, but you believe in something, there's someone there that's done 20 times worse or better and is in the same place as where you are. So, you know. There are so many fascinating stories, people who are in prison. I mean, this channel started 12 years ago 
and we've always concentrated on prison stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you could do books and movies on loads of these people, couldn't you? Could, could. Have you thought about doing a book? Well, yeah, I, mean, I spoke to Ash about it, because obviously, like I've always said, I, the reason I don't want to come across like we're telling these stories because I'm this guy, I'm not. I'm telling the story because I truly believe that you, you're not made to be a hard man, you know, where you're fighting. I believe there's something in everybody that may produce something that they're doing. Do you see what I mean? You know, me being not scared of anybody, anything like that, that's not a trait that's taught in me that I'm just a tough guy because I'm not tough. I can't help it. Do you see what I mean? When face with something, it means nothing to me. So, you know, is that what could be in people, you know? Did you know? Did the craze? Did anyone? Did any? All these people that are formidable gangsters. Anyone? Dave Courtney, the craze. All murders. Charles Bronson, Chopper Reed. Are, are, the, are these all people that are just designed from the bad childhood into not feeling any emotion, or is there something more? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's a fascinating study for criminologists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say to my missus because we got a new dog, uh, a Chihuahua, and we got a book on it. I find this very fascinating that we got a book. My child's been born, and what this book tells us everything that my child does, what he doesn't like to eat, what he does like to eat, what's allergic to, how the behaviour hacks. So I think, only if it's a book on all those kind of people. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And a book on my genetic makeup and how I should act and what problems I'm going to face, what food. Do you see what I mean? If yeah. it's a book on these animals that aren't even born yet, it makes you wonder. I'd love to see you and Shane Taylor having a conversation. <laughs> Who's that? Shane Taylor, we did the podcast with him, it's called Knife Maniacs Redemption. Right. So he didn't just go out with a knife. Yeah. He went out with the kitchen set. Yeah, okay. And when he was doing stuff, he just went into a psychosis. So we just recently had on um, a guy who um, went to protect his friend who was having a fight. And this guy was a serious person. So the other guy showed up for the fight, but the guy having his back was Shane. And the guy said that when... Shane, uh, when he, he, he was going to step in, Shane just looked at him in, in the eyes and said, don't, I'll kill you right now. And this guy usually never, ever backed down. He just knew instantly yeah, to back do. down because you could just see it in his eyes. And that's what I always learned. Yeah. I always say it's a skill I possess that I always have to look people in the eye because I can see it twitch. I can see the hand movements. You see what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm looking, I can see you rubbing your leg. Do you, see, do, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. I know. Okay, you're lying to me. This, this person, yeah. I've got you. Before I even knew, yeah, I know yeah. because I'll always make eye contact, and that was my mm. my biggest fault. Because even when I'm trying to remain normal and calm, mm. people, my partner says, my parents say, my face changes. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I can see them, and I'm and I think, okay, now it's going, it's going. Yeah, <laughs> it's going. I'll just apologise. It's going to mm -hmm. be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so ha have you accepted yourself yeah obviously right now uh, since august i was in dilemma and obviously it's getting too much you know the skin the skin away so to speak it was like i'd had enough of it you know i was having weird dreams a lot of weird, I've had weird dreams since i was a kid um where you know you go into the bathroom you're using the toilet and there's a mirror and i go and wash my hands and i look into the mirror and then I appear on my shoulder, but I'm all grey and black eyes, and it just screeches at me. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I didn't ever woke up scared. I never woke up anything. I just woke up in the morning, and I went, God, can I have the same dream again? 
So all these kind of things were manifesting into me. So I needed help, so I went to see the doctor. And obviously, once again, I seen his body language. I seen the chair get rolled back. Do you see? I seen him sweat. I seen him get a bit nervous and just keep moving away and go, well, yeah, yeah. As I got closer, I'm like, no, listen, come here. Do you see? Let me talk to you a minute. I need to explain. Well, I can see it. Yeah. Well, we see what? And that's what, what do you mean? And then that morning, <laughs> that morning I'd gone to the doctor with Kelly because Kelly comes because she's like my minder. She gets to keep me calm because I think if I'm with Kelly, I've got a partner with me. So I'm a normal person. Do you know what I mean? If I go on my own, I'm, anything could happen. So I'm with Kelly and I've gone to the doctor's. My appointment's at half past 11. Isn't it? Half, ele half past 11. Receptionist on the deck counter, it says, everything's on time. I've got an appointment. Everything's on time. She's got a priority now. She goes, hiya, Mr. Penning. Yep, yeah, great. Go and sit down. Great. I look at the sign. Okay. Foot's going. Quarter to 12. 12 o'clock. My head's about to fall off. I said to Kelly, I'm going to go up there because she's lied to me. All she had to do, Sean, was tell me, hang on a minute, Michael, they're not running on time. Take the sign down, but you're not. You've put the sign up telling me everything's on time. So 11.30, my appointment's in. I'm sat now, 45 minutes, sweating. Mine's going mental because you've lied to me. So I've gone to the doctor's and I've told him. So what do you expect? I'm sat out there sweating. You've told me well, he shouldn't have done that. No, she shouldn't have done that. I wanted to go back. I've never been violent to a woman, but say, listen, do you understand what you've caused me? Because you've lied. You've just told me something that's not true. Yeah. So you can imagine the doctors. So then that led me to being psychiatrists, stuff like that, saying I've got the most severe adult ADHD by five times he's ever seen ever in his career, which can play safe, which can come in and bipolar, depression, anxiety, mental health. It's the worst kind of mental health you can get. And in adults untreated, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm. So for all my life, we're learning that you can't have relationships when I'm having one. You know, um, you're supposed to be violent towards women. I've never hit a woman in my life. You know, all these statistics, once again, going back to the book, you can't hold down the job. I've been a manager of every... I've been top of my field in everything I've ever done. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You're bad with money. I've had a lovely life. Do you see what I mean? So this is what I'm saying. These people, again, are reading other people's words and just diagnosing people with... It's too complex for them to deal with. Correct. So they'd rather just put you in a box and push it to the side of you. Take that, go to the side... So again, today, psychiatrist, I want to talk to you about this. Open, you might tell me something. Is nothing to tell you? Look at my record, my criminal record. Why? Oh, look at that. It's not, you know, and tell me some of your thoughts. I tell her some of the thoughts. Uh, right, well, I'll, I'll have to ring you back next week. I need to go and see a person that's done this a lot longer than me. I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. It's not for me. Do you see? They ask you to be honest and then they can't deal with it because they don't know. Because they're supposed to be the experts, but they don't. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you're saying, are, are you, you're angry, angry, you've got an anger problem. Well, you can't have an anger problem because how are you talking to me? Exactly. I don't have an anger problem. I don't jump up and down, scream, punch walls for effect. It's a peacock system. It's wasting my time. I'd rather just do it. What's the point of me telling you, jumping up and down, what I'm going to do? I'll just do it calmly and get away. They think there's a fuse to your violence and there's not. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. All yeah. it is, is it's something above. Is it? I don't know, is it simplifying? He's making it okay. 
It's like I live in a movie. It makes it okay. Do you know what I mean? I think this move to Spain is going to do you a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got a brilliant woman behind you yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And your dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, So all yeah. those things, that, you know. And I think as we get older, we calm down a bit anyway. Of course, of course. Um, we need to. You have to. Yeah, you have to fit in. Yeah. You have to fit into society. So your fitness then, man. You told me you did three, you're doing three hours a day right more, now, back more, to back. Well, no, no, sorry, not now during lockdown. I do about an hour and a half at home, but as soon as the lockdown's finished again, I'll go straight back to my gym and I'll do three, three and a half hours every day. What will you do over those three hours? Um, I'll go to the gym, I'll do uh, I do like a 10 mile run, I'll just build up again. 10 mile run uh, with obviously a weighted vest on or a mask or just do it on an incline. Then I'll do some stretches, then I'll do my legs. Then I'll wait for my dad who sometimes comes and trains with me. Then I'll do a, a gym and volume training all over body. So I'll do one exercise, but 100 reps of every body part. So it's about an hour and a half. And then I normally go to my mate's boxing gym and do an hour, hour 15 minutes on pad work and stuff because I was building up to doing some um, white collar, unlicensed boxing. How did you to do all that at 44? Exactly, yeah. But with so that's just a natural thing you've got. Yeah, but not doing it. This is when my head Then you start to go. Yeah, by yeah, 12 o'clock. Yeah. I get up about half past five every morning, no matter what. Um, obviously, now I used to get up and have a coffee. I can't have coffee or anything like that. Too stimulant. Yeah, because I've got me taking this medication. I've got to do all of that. So I used to have a coffee, just like meditate a bit, you know, get my mind going. And then I go straight to the gym. And about 12 o'clock when I'm back, I'm good to go. I can focus. I'm all right. Pardon me. You know what I mean? So that's what I had to, I had to do. So you mentioned the doses increasing, yeah. But you also mentioned, you know, you've not f- considered this in terms of your longevity. There's probably going to be a consequence there. Yeah, has to be. Do you is your goal perhaps to ultimately just have self medication through physical activity and get off medication? Yeah, I mean that was my goal, and I've done it for so many long. Obviously, I've had a lot of hiccups along the way. Yeah. The problem for me now is, as we'll tell everybody, things catch up on you. Mm. so I can still have thoughts and even though I might have smiled when I was telling stories it's not because I'm playing down it's because I believe it's crazy as well but mm. you know you smile and you think bloody hell so all that catches up on you yeah. do you see what I mean and mm. I know I still bump into people do you see what I mean yeah yeah bullies I still, potentially bullies I still bump into people who think even worse of me now right do you see and mm. I let that happen mm. did I get my own back people will say yeah yeah well you did well it didn't do well. I became that person. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. I have, you have no right to put your hands on anybody. No one does. And that was my whole thing. The only thing now I can hope for is that with the medication I'm taking now, I'm feeling calmer already. Do you see what I mean? I feel more happy and content in myself. So if you went out now and you saw a bully that you hadn't dealt with, would yeah. you have a completely different attitude? Yeah. You wouldn't be triggered? No, because I have, I have Kelly to think about and... Of my new life and I don't want to be that person I mean for the last 10 years I've not got into any kind of problems I've I've got into major major problems in me do you see what I mean where I've had to go to the gym for 5 hours and exhaust myself and maybe get crying many times uh, over this last year could be lapped on I burst into tears just trying to explain or you know I put my head through the TV you know I got my car and I drove it as fast as I could into the back of a lorry the last minute I stopped that was only 8 months ago and I got a beautiful AMG, it was my pride and joy. Do you know what I mean? Why did they do that? She asked. I don't know. Was I trying to kill myself? No. Because I'd rather kill people than me. It, you know, if I, I'm not going to, I'm not going, but that's my mindset. I'm not going to self-harm myself, but that's the kind of mindset he was getting to. Until eventually, I've got funding. My medication's like £300 a month. Jesus. 
You know what I mean? So funding got knocked back, then they give you funding, then you are a lunatic, we'll give you funding. Do you see? Yeah. So how yeah. many more people out there? Yeah, yeah. You know, are doing jail or got problems, just need to talk and, you know what I mean? Get to the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Wow, what a journey you took us on. What would you like to say then to young people out there or people who are going through things, people who have mental health issues, young people who want to be gangsters? Just drawing on the life lessons from your story, what what, what would you say to those people? Um, I, I think that, you know, the lifestyle itself, as Sean will say, you know, it's all good. You need to understand that what you actually want out of it. If you want money and fame and all that, then there's a chance that you're not going to get it. You're going to face yourself with a big prison sentence and the people you see around you will, will not be there for, for a long time. And then you've also got to ask yourself, why are you feeling like this? What makes you believe that that's all you can achieve? If it's something that you feel is wrong with the, the way you're thinking, your thinking process, as it was with me, you know, you've got to simplify it in your mind. If you think selling drugs to someone collecting money and living a certain way of life is acceptable, then already there's a there's a, a, a thought path in your brain that's not normal because that's not normal society. That's not what we're bred to do. We're bred to survive and make life the best for you. But is that really the best version of yourself and the best form of your life? That's really powerful, Michael. And I'm sure people out there... This is this story's going to resonate with them, and I'm never going to forget that that one story. The guy just comes in and says, "This is how it's going to be. How do you want it?" Shit like that, man. Mm. It's just fucking terrifying. So, is there any way that people can support you out there? I mean, are you on the socials or anything like that? Once again, unfortunately, I'm not on no social media or anything like that. It's just not effective for me. I've never been. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, support me by supporting yourselves. You know. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of self-help um, books I've done for many years. The Secret, The Power, um, How to Make Friends and Influence People, Tony Robbins, Ethan Thomas. I wanted to see him in America, Tony Robbins. Yeah, Amazing yeah. person. So I do this. I mean, I used to, oh, in the last couple of months, I haven't done because things got a bit worse. But every morning I did an hour of motivation because the, really, the, the only way I always say to my partner, the only way you win this game of life, as everyone likes to call it, is by winning yourself making sure that you win on your own terms. I thought that cars, money and everything was down. I've had some of the best cars you could ever buy. But now I'm willing to sell everything, go to Spain, live in a, an apartment and just go on the beach, obviously still train and be forgot about. Not that I was ever notoriety. I've never had notoriety. I was known as a little lunatic around where I live. I wasn't writing books on gangland killings and things. But that was just because I wasn't in contact with them people. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. We was watching a documentary the other day of a guy doing 35 years for murder. Easy could have been me. Any point could have been me. And it was only by circumstances, not because of me, because I wasn't there at that precise moment, or so it would have been. You see? Yeah. And your life's gone and no one cares. No one cares Life about you. Life can be gone like that with yeah. one stupid mistake. And no kill. one cares about you. Your picture's on your wall. Always remember the picture on the wall story. The pictures of the cars, the women, the money on the wall. That's where it's going to stay, you know. And it's pretty shallow. So you just pointed out that your health, your wealth is your health, including your mental yeah. health, not the materialistic. Happiness is in your heart and your thoughts and having good people around you, having a good partner, family, things like that, not 
getting out there and just being thinking you're Mr. Cool Guy. I thought I was Mr. Cool Guy in my twenties, living like a character of a movie. You know, almost lost my life, lost six years of it. Having to see my mum fly five thousand miles to visit me, all hunched over in the visitation prison room, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. The consequences on your family members. My sister had to have counselling. You've talked about your family coming to visit you in prison. Yeah, of course. All these, you know, you think it's just you that's going to suffer when you go to prison. It's not. It's just this, all your family members go through it as well. So don't get gangster writers. Keep your day jobs, folks. Um, please let us know in the comments what you thought about this video today huge thank you to all the new subscribers subscription logo is in the bottom corner of the screen in the description box are all of our links our socials our playlists if you want to watch more and more true crime podcasts um, I think we're up to about what 160, 170 of them right now. Wow. So hours and hours of endless content. Dave Courtney actually was one of the first people on. <laughs> I'll put that link down there. I'll put the Shane yeah. Taylor link down there yeah, yeah. as well. I'll get a meet with Shane. I'll be interested. Yeah, yeah. I think you should, you should watch that one. See if you want. Yeah. See yeah, if they want us to meet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A huge thank you for coming on, man. No problem. Yeah, really thank you very much. It. Yeah, thank yeah. You. Cheers. Thank you very Cheers. Very much. Yeah. Cheers. Well Thanks. done. That was brilliant.